Welcome to the Metalist, where we discuss our top five personal favorites. Yeah. Is that what you want to call it? We can all things metal, all things distorted guitars. If you dig it, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Don't forget, rate and review, like and subscribe, give us a follow, maybe give us a share. Now, you know what time it is? What time is it? I'm ready for some fucking God Hammered. And now your hosts, David Delo Lopez and Jason Smith. This is the Metalist. Greetings and thanks for joining us whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this. It's the Metalist Podcast. I am David. And I'm Jason. So we decided to do something a little left out of field today. Uh, and is this Out of up- left field, not left out of field. Except oh, no. that's your that's your thing left out of field. That's yeah, it. I was just gonna say it's 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 definitely <laughs> that much though that I'm rearranging the words. Um, so is this a band near and dear to your heart? <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Okay, I'm just trying to figure out where we are on all these things because we decided to jump into a very deep end of a pool. In fact, it's more of a Mariana's <laughs> trench if we're being honest. We're gonna talk about today, Motley Crue. Uh, this is probably going to be more interesting from you. So what's, what's your first experience with Motley Crue? Actually, you know what? You want to know what? Because people probably have heard when I grew up, um, what's your first exposure to Motley Crue? Ah, flipping it around on me. All right. (laughs) That's fair. I'm curious to see where, where this, where they start for you. Cause I mean, it's probably not a big thing for you. So I'm kind of curious to see where it kind of came from. Yeah, so here's what I've gathered just looking over stuff. When I really looked into the nitty-gritty of things, my timeline's a little off from what I thought. It seems to me that everything that they've ever been really, really known for and everybody talks about is just from the 80s, right? From 83 to 89 from what I've gathered. Right. So there's a bit of a low point when I'm kind of getting acquainted with things. And so, first and foremost, I didn't know Motley Crue. I knew Tommy Lee because it was, oh, there's that crazy dude, the Pamela Anderson, who at the time is like... <laughs> the Pam Anderson video? Yeah, it's, it's like the biggest, like, like, just Pamela Anderson is like a status icon, a cultural icon is like at, at the peak in the mid to late 90s, right? Like, oh, like yeah. she's the biggest thing in the world. So it's, oh, there's that dude that she's married to and had the, the video with, it is Tommy Lee. Oh, and he just happens to have a band called Motley Crue. Like, like it was that—that that was a secondary thing, and that might have just been indicative of the '90s. So, there's an episode of Saturday Night Live where she was the yeah Pamela Anderson was the host. And uh, do you remember the character Goat Boy at all? Vaguely, not was, much though. It was Jim Brewer. I love this idea because this is right up my alley. The idea is that the scientists make a weird dude goat hybrid specifically for the purpose of um making making a host for a hey remember the 80s show on uh on MTV 
way before VH1 did any of that shit. In fact, I wonder if that's where they got the idea. But it's so they would have uh, people come on and um, and so Tommy Lee came on as himself promoting. Um, so it was the album Generation Swine. So oh, in 1997, <laughs> all right? So that's Molly Crew to me for years. Damn. I remember seeing the, the album in Target going up. That must be what they're talking about. They're dudes in pig masks. I've never heard that album. I, I've never heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just reading up on it. Apparently, they tried to go, you know, it was, it was any, a lot of those bands from the 80s trying to modernize their sound for the younger audience in that time, a very confusing time. And we could get into a whole thing about that, but apparently for Motley Crue specifically, Tommy Lee had gotten into like industrial and stuff like that. So they tried to make like an industrial ish album. I kind of got to hear this now. Have you ever heard? Cause I have heard the shout at the devil 97. No, but I saw that was on there. It fucking sucks. <laughs> I can imagine. All. Second yeah. of all, have you ever did so because the time frame? Did you ever hear, um, was it Methods of Mayhem or not Mayhem only Method or whatever that did was? Did I hear that album? I have it somewhere in my closet. <laughs> I I was I was because nice. it was the time, dude. It was ninety nine going into two thousand. I was young, impressionable. I I was still figuring things out. You know, I had to. I, it, it caught my interest. I was sampling a little bit of everything before I fit, you know, saw what I was really about. I'll, in fact, I'll do you one better. I saw them do that live that same year in 2000. <laughs> oh because it was, it was Tommy Lee, right? Wow. And then it was, the, it was, I guess, a former vocalist. I don't know if he was the former vocalist or, he was, or if he was even a vocalist. He was just some guy from an old lineup at BDE. Uh, I don't remember what his name was. But by then, the guy was already gone. So it was Tommy Lee and a bunch of hired guns. It was entertaining, but uh, it was definitely of the time. And then I saw Tommy Lee two years later at OzFest 2002. Repl- he had to replace uh, Drowning Pool because Dave passed away during- on the tour. Um, so by the time they got to here, it was it was Tommy Lee doing solo stuff because that was when he had his solo album out. And he still played Methods of Mayhem stuff as well. So, <laughs> wow, the- I think I've heard like one one song of that that's all you need to hear dude that upon further reflection yeah, that album, more. <laughs> yeah it's 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 it was a very confusing time for everybody involved you know like fucking hell man i and i'm just looking because like the fact I, and now they're back together right so the fact that it's all the same four original dudes is kind of admirable but at the same time they've had so many people come in and out right that like it's like, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it's been an interesting trajectory. As far as I can tell, the only guy that was in there the entire time. Okay, no, the only two guys that were in there the entire time are Mick Mars and Nikki Six. So I guess get on them. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my background. Obviously, then you see the classic videos on VH1 Classic or whatever. Um, and you become a little more acquainted with, with what they're really known for throughout time. Um, so that's my background. What what what's yours? Mine, like you know, because I'm in the age range. <laughs> um, mine was seeing a a video on Friday Night Videos. This is before. So MTV was a thing by now. I mean, I, I'm. This is probably 
uh, what year would it be? 1983. Hmm. Um, obviously, MTV is around. They came out in 81, but not uh, not everybody had. Uh, it wasn't, um, what do you call it? I mean, it certainly wasn't as big. Like right, MTV yeah. kind of came out in 1981 and it really didn't like catch hold until at least a year or two. Mm-hmm. But they had a video show. I want to say it was like NBC. I'm not even sure what channel it was, but it was, it was called Friday Night Videos. And they'd play, I don't know, probably it was an hour show. So, but it wasn't just, it was just videos. I mean, they, you know, but obviously commercials. And they had like a host, as far as I remember, they had a host. But the host only came on like a couple times. It wasn't like MTV where, um, you know, they played, what, two videos and then they have, you know, something from the host or whatever back in the day. Right. This was more like, we'll play like three videos and then there's a commercial three more videos there's another commercial and then the host comes out you know nice talks for like five minutes tops and then it was like three more videos commercial three more videos out Hmm. yeah roughly could be three or four whatever but that was kind of the format was the host would talk at the start and then the middle and i remember seeing the video for uh, too young to fall in love Okay, that, that and I saw how they were dressed, and they, you know, because they had other, you know, whatever other videos on there. I mean, obviously, Def Leppard at the time was, you know, massive. I I do remember seeing some Iron Maiden stuff back then, and I mean, not as much, but um, it was more like pop or like classic rock, like a lot of Foreigner on there and stuff like that. But there was something about the way these guys looked that was different. Mm-hmm um prior to this i don't think i'd ever really seen any like um glam hair metal i i don't remember having ever seen any i mean i listened to them but i hadn't seen any so this was kind of like my first visual of the genre and at the time i mean these guys weren't dressed you know like what everybody else do. oh they're dressed like they're all dressed like women they they they, they didn't look like women at all yeah yeah it was like um, they looked like kind of like monsters like it was weird yeah. they they had you know fucking <laughs> and it sounds weird saying it now but um you know they they had fishnet shit you know um but they had like gloves and they had like this fucking like leather studded battle looking gear on and they had face paint but not like not like girl makeup it was more like like war football yeah they had like football marks under their eyes and they had you know and their hair was teased up but it wasn't like fancy you know it was very uh unruly and 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 things like that with the maybe the exception of vince you know the only blonde in the whole group but yeah but I mean, you know, I mean, Mick Mars had like this weird shoulder pad thing and it was, it was fucking crazy. Like, I mean, me being, you know, what, nine years old and, you know, prior to this, I mean, I'd never even seen a music video. So, I mean, I'm watching Friday night videos and you're seeing stuff like Phil Collins, you know what I mean? Like you're seeing Elton John and, you know, foreigner who just look like regular dudes. Yeah, for sure. 
you know, and you're seeing like a lot of pop stars and stuff, Madonna and this, or not, not Madonna yet, but, but you are seeing, um, fuck. Anyway, there's, you're seeing all of this regular looking artists. I think prior to that, maybe the weirdest person I'd ever really seen. Uh, well, it was Kiss. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I saw Kiss when I was like fucking five years old, dude. Like, mm-hmm. Maybe even fucking earlier than that, four years old, something like that. Like, but but they were like, it was, that was a whole different type of look. And they were the only ones, as far as I knew, they were the only ones that looked like that. Mm-hmm. And this stuff came out, it's like, what the fuck? But like the guitars are way gainier than something like Foreigner. And, you know, Sticks and fucking Journey and stuff like that. Even, even gainier than Kiss. Right, yeah. You know, I, I mean... You know, and I don't know if by this time, well, by this time I'd I'd heard like some Aussie stuff and like, you know, like that, but not a lot of it, like, because I hadn't really started buying music yet. So, so when I saw this video, I just remember it's it's just really weird. It's like, I mean, it's on a set. There's a lot of fog. um, There's a lot of funky lighting going on. Like, as a fucking nine-year-old, like, these dudes looked evil to me. Yeah, there's like a story sort of from what I recall to the video as well, right? I think so. <laughs> or at least a concept, if not story. There's because I remember because I, I remember there's like I, I hate I hesitate to use the word stunt work, but there is like like there there's like choreographed fights and like sound effects and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not like I mean it's not like I was scared of it, but I when you look at it, it's like it's, it's like Halloween decorations. It's like, you're not scared by it, but it looks scary. Right. You know, that's, that's clearly a scary decoration. Like that's how these guys were. And I saw it and was just like, fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, this is the shit. Like I just thought it was fucking awesome. And then like the song was really fucking cool too. And so I was like, all right, you know, and then, you know, shortly after that MTV fucking, you know, I, I mean, MTV got really popular before we actually got it. Right. You know, because just cable wasn't available where I lived. Um, so when we finally got cable and I was able to watch MTV, you know, with, I mean, we're talking like probably late theater pain, like theater pain been out, but like, you know, they're in that part where they're like touring and they're just showing videos of them all the fucking time. And it's like, fuck, dude. Like, huh. granted, around that same time, um, Okay, so here's another thing. Shout at the Devil was the first album I ever fucking stole from someone. Good times. Because we all played that game. Hey, man, let me borrow that tape. Yeah. All right, cool, yeah, I'll borrow it. And then this motherfucker, like, they, dude, they live in the same town. They go to the same school. It's There's 3,000 people in the whole fucking town. Mm-hmm. And every fucking day I see this fucking person. It's like, oh, man, like, I just I forgot to grab it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it turns into, you know, the, the old faithful when it came to tapes oh dude my fucking tape player ate it yeah yeah you know i i owe you a tape yeah for sure you know and then, I, and then you just duck that forever you know i i mean fuck everybody did that to everybody and yeah and i've this been that guy one. and i've done it to and i've done it to people i've had it happen to me and i've done it back like i mean yeah. you know it's that was just one of those things and so it was like this was probably i think this is the first one i did Mm-hmm. And so I like that was the only song I heard, and then I heard fucking shout at the devil, and I was like, holy fuck! Like, like the intro to that was fucking awesome. Hmm. 
you know, with the guy talking or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah. it's almost like a fucking movie intro. It's the back masking, right? No, man. It's just a fucking dude straight up telling you a fucking story. Oh. Have you've but, never heard that? Maybe I've never heard that. Is there like a radio version In where the it's beginning, just Oh, maybe I have. Good overpower the evil of all man's sins. Uh, you know, like um oh fuck, man. We like friends of mine, like we all had that shit written out on the back of our notebooks in school. I mean, it was we were all just like full fucking bore into like the fucking glam hair metal scene. But the thing about shadow of the devil was it was a totally different look. Yeah. It wasn't so glammy. I mean, it was definitely over the top, mm-hmm. definitely theatrical, but it wasn't pretty. Not until theater pain hit. I was going to say there's a turning point, right? Oh, theater pain. They, when they hit man like that, I mean, they all looked fucking pretty. They fucking had a much, much different fucking look it so was more spandex less leather yeah so it's safe to say that motley Crue had kind of their own lane going for those first two albums well they had so they were kind of different than a lot of the fucking hair metal bands and i think that's why a lot of people fucking liked them because for a long time i they weren't my favorite i actually started liking them more well after you know fucking well into the 90s i actually started liking them more because at you know getting away from the fucking hair metal scene and going back and listening to some of the stuff I grew up on, I was like, you know, they weren't. You, you know, you go back and you listen to something like Doc, and you're like, Jesus Christ! Like George Lynch is a fucking ridiculously good guitar player. Yeah, Eddie Van Halen is a really. I mean, everybody knew that then, but but you know, Rat. You know, like Rat was another one. It was like I liked him. Yo, but they weren't a favorite of mine until like way later. And also I'm like, God damn it. Like they're so fucking good. And the biggest thing about Motley Crue and probably Rat as well was they weren't the best. They didn't have like this really awesomely shreddy guitar player. They didn't have the greatest drummer ever. You know, Vince Neil wasn't the highest singer or the prettiest singer. They wrote really good songs. Right. Like just really good songs. Real simple. You know, nothing too crazy. Three or four parts, that's it. But the changes all made sense. The changes were all good. They, you know, and, and, you know, say what you want about the lyrics. They were a little bit grittier than just sex, drugs, and rock and roll, mm-hmm. even though that's what they lived. But maybe the lyrics were a little bit grittier because they took that to the fucking max. Right. They were kind of different than everybody else. And then, and, and that was the thing, like they got hugely popular. And that was another reason why I didn't like them. I was that kid where it's like, oh, everybody likes them, fuck them. Right. You know, and then, you know, it wasn't very long. I mean, I think probably like by the time Girls, Girls, Girls came out, I'd heard Metallica and it was like, okay. Like, and it was like, I definitely liked that more, but I still listened to hair metal. You know, it was, I loved thrash because that was the heaviest thing I'd heard at the time, but I still liked hair. I've always liked hair metal stuff, dude. Like it's, you know, it's, it's just good, easy, innocuous music. Yeah, for sure. I, I I think we've discussed this before. I was, I was the generation for MTV told you to hate everything from that. Wasn't, you know, after 1991 or two or whatever right uh and hair metal specifically you know it was it was the uh beavis and butthead thing where it was what's that kid's name stewart yeah with the winger shirt yeah exactly right they would always rip on those videos upon further reflection that's fucking all stupid and very of the time mentality having said that i've um i've still never really been like a hair metal guy 
the only exceptions maybe Y and T because that Summer Girls song is fun. Summertime Girls. Summertime great. Girls and um, shit. Oh, I give Rat props just because we're from San Diego. Side note: Did you see that Rat's numbers for round and round uh, are going up because they're in that Geico commercial? No, I saw something about their numbers going up. I didn't know it was, they were in a commercial. Yeah, that's that's what it's for. It's, it's it's specifically round and round, and it's because they're in a Geico commercial where they play that right now. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, get yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it, it always cracks me up on people that are a bit older than me. Slightly, not much, but the people that the crowd that's like you know. Oh, I love Van Halen, and you know, but I don't like Motley Crue because you know Motley Crue's fucking glam, and and I'm like, dude, they're literally playing the exact same thing. It's definitely it's just their guitar player isn't as good. Yeah, but it's like like all the stuff that came after Van Halen's a much more fleshed out version. It's like when we talk about Possessed as opposed to Death, or Repulsion as opposed to Napalm, or even Led Zeppelin as opposed to Black Sabbath. It's like, here's an idea, and they just took it to the next logical conclusion, all these other guys. Well, so for a lot of these guys, they're, you know, this is the second wave of glam, to be honest with you, because there were bands like Sweet and T-Rex. And, yeah, glam rock, and, so to know, speak. Yeah, kind of. And these guys took it a little bit rougher, a little mm-hmm. bit harder. It's just the reason that so many people think they're so much better is, one, their look was a little bit different, not mm-hmm. much. And granted, there was a lot of glam bands that really went crazy on like the the androgynous look, right. which was all David Bowie and mostly David Bowie. He was mm-hmm. kind of the first person that got that going like long before this. But honestly, dude, like when it's specifically Motley Crue and you listen to fucking the shit Van Halen's do, especially early Van Halen, dude, there's not much difference at all. The only, like, literally, the only fucking difference, dude, is Eddie Van Halen is a way better guitar player than mm-hmm. Mick Mars. That's it. And so he gives them this kind of, like, musical talent credibility that a lot of people don't associate with bands like Motley Crue or Poison. Right. Right? Was, so that's one say, thing that Motley always... Motley Crue the second one, then, if, if Van Halen's the first, so to speak? Of glam stuff? Yeah, just as, as if we're talking about oh, the... I mean, Def Leppard was the kind of this first, like, okay, uh, yeah. this is like hard rock. You know, and that's the thing. People say want to say, like, oh, well, what's the difference between hard rock, glam, metal, hair metal? It's all the same. Mm-hmm. It's all the fucking same. You could, you could fucking... The difference is, is what's the packaging on it, right? It's what does it look like? Because musically, there's not much fucking difference. I will say this. Hard rock is a little bit lighter. Yeah. It's definitely not as much distortion on the guitars. Like when Journey I'm... has a lot more piano. They have a lot more keyboard stuff and they're a lot more bass and drum driven in a lot of their songs. Yeah. Where hair metal, not as much. That's to me the biggest difference. But for the most part, dude, it's all the fucking same. Structurally, it's all the fucking same. You know, and then there's just varying degrees of talent, which whatever. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Def Leppard was kind of the first to like get you know come kind of come up you know you even before pyromania right but dude at 83 man i mean you're talking fucking shout at the devil comes out and you know and they had Mm -hmm. an album before and it did fine but shout at the devil came out and it was fucking massive 
and Pyromania came out at the same time. And that's what really fucking put Def Leppard through the fucking roof. Hmm. Those two, and I believe, um, well, Bon Jovi was still on the come up, um, hadn't fully hit. So 83 was kind of like the start of really like hair metal slash glam, like really coming to attention. Right. The real year that it really, really fucking blew up to something huge. Oh, I think Wasp came out with an album in 83 as well. Yeah. Um, when it really became huge was like 85. Because Theater Pain fucking came out. And, you know, Def Leppard didn't come out with Hysteria. They had that big break because um, his arm. Yeah. And, and stepping up in that spot with Bon Jovi. When they came out with Slippery When Wet. Like, I mean, that fuck dude forget about it hmm. that was that was everything at the time you know and, and granted like you had i mean i think by that time poison was out which talked dirty to me fucking really fucking took mtv by storm you know just uber fucking catchy you know, all of these bands that was the big thing for all these bands dude really fucking catchy really fucking hooky and they write fucking good songs man and and it's like they're easy right it wasn't hard to figure like it's it's like um you know like iron maiden like had stuff at the same time you know they weren't necessarily blowing up as huge they were always fucking big but mm -hmm. but they were definitely like okay we're and i don't know if motley crew couldn't play that stuff but they didn't yeah for sure you know and you know judas priest had to change it up a little bit to get into this group where Iron Maiden changed it up a little bit, but not a whole lot. And they just never really fucking blew that hard at that time mm -hmm. with this crowd, which was yeah. the masses. This shit was, this shit was rap. Now this shit was everywhere. Like, and the crazy thing about it, this shit was selling out arenas. This was the number one style of fucking like, just fucking huge the only thing bigger than this was like fucking madonna and prince i'm mm -hmm. sorry madonna michael jackson and some prince stuff yeah you know i think maybe later on whitney houston right uh, this yeah. shit was at that fucking level and at the same exact time you had a mass amount of the fucking society against it because it was lewd they were called satanic you know because the pentagram on the album cover and and, and wasp you know having you know, whatever, you know, and it's right in the middle of the satanic panic and it's everything against any fucking type of religious stuff. Which is weird to think because of how many like more legitimate, you know, anti-religious things there are, right. That like oh, yeah. people don't but, even know about. But I mean, even though they're not screaming, they're not, I mean, I couldn't even tell you any fucking Motley Crue songs or, or any of those bands for that matter really talking against the church mm -hmm. not like bands later just straight up did but the sex and the drugs oh yeah and just lewd behavior is absolutely against a lot of church stuff back especially back then and you know tattoos you know the long hair the fucking the lifestyle it, it just it went against everything and i mean they were really a fucking target but also i think that's what blew them up so hard dude I can feel that. That whole scene is kind of intertwined with excess, right? That's the whole thing. It's, it's everything on 11 as far as. Well, because it was, yeah, it was there for the world to see on fucking MTV. I mean, mm -hmm. 
dude, Madonna got huge. She got huge by rolling around on a fucking stage and, and letting people see her garter belt. Right. Like that was, that was fucking, I mean, that did huge for her career. And then even bigger for her career a little bit later when she fucking kind of did the, the song that the, you know, the Catholic church came out and fucking basically said like, what the fuck? And obviously her name, uh-huh. but, but the Catholic church spoke out against her and all of a sudden, bam. And then you start getting fucking into, you know, parental advisory stickers. Well, that just guaranteed you album sales. Like I, I, I wonder what would have happened with this, this particular scene had they not been so, um, had they not been so much in the spotlight with people against it. Right. Like it, like it definitely helped bring it more to light than it would have otherwise. Oh yeah, dude. They cast a lot more attention on, on it than was necessary. You know, I mean, granted there was a lot of fucking, I wouldn't say number one songs, but there was a lot of really, really high charting songs from these bands. And as a kid growing up and, you know, growing up Mormon in fucking Idaho, I mean, this was everything. This was my whole fucking life. I, I mean, I, I would go to the fucking grocery. There's one grocery. Well, there's two grocery stores in town. One of them had, had magazines, you know, relatively close to the front door. Right. <laughs> and I mean, I would go and just straight up rip off fucking Rip Magazine, Hit Parader, fucking Metal Edge. You know, anything I could get my fucking hands on that had pictures of these people. I, I mean, anything. I, and fuck, if I couldn't steal the whole magazine, I'd just rip the fucking picture out. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just obsessed with it, dude. Was this before those, like, you remember the um, tear-out posters in the middle? Oh, yeah, it was before that. Okay. I mean, I, it, it was unreal, dude. Like, when I think about it now, I'm just like, that's fucking ridiculous. But... But at the same time, and it, it's weird because this is what started off. Like, it, it started off this is like, you know, prior to this, it was like, oh, I'd hear classic rock and radio shit, right? I mean, and, and it was just like, I always gravitated to what's kind of like this heavier version of it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then this comes out and it's like, well, this is heavier than that. And then thrash comes out. Well, that's heavier than this. And then fucking death metal comes out. And I'm like, well, that's heavier than that. And, and it just has always been a thing for me like this obsession with music and mm-hmm. and bands and musicians like it all kind of started here because this is where i was when i this is what was going on when i was like nine or ten years old and and when i had made the maybe not a conscious decision but when i had made a decision that i was going to follow this stuff you know like at a very ridiculous rate (laughs) for sure you know but specifically motley Crue, like so you have okay so the first two albums they're i don't know what you call it it was almost like sleaze it was kind of like a sleaze look Mm -hmm. like a really (laughs) a ridiculous overtop cross between like you know quote-unquote holly weird and fucking road warrior yeah that, that's you know what i mean that, yeah and then and then you know 85 hits and they're full bore fucking glam yeah and they're kind of leading the charge i mean well i mean they jumped in i mean because poison was really the first band that i had seen that really really fucking looked like 
you know, had the full on female style makeup. Yeah, I would and, say and the they're very, most exemplary to me. Yeah, the very done up hair and whatnot. Yeah. And, and then, um, but these guys, you know, these guys were from, you know, like most of them were from California. Most of them, you know, and they definitely got their start like in LA, in Hollywood. Like, I mean, that's where that fucking started and that what it was the perfect fucking time i mean i'm not gonna lie when i see the fucking rate at which they fucking formed and signed um and played their first show like i mean it's i get a little bit jealous i mean they were they fucking formed in like april of 81 and they played their first i mean their first album came out like november november of 81 yeah it's but that's that's gotta be like exception more than the rule right well no i mean there's plenty of bands that did that in la well, okay, LA, yeah. if you were in LA, you could do that. I mean, you're banned from somewhere else. It takes a little bit longer, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, you know, and, and then fucking girls, girls, girls comes out and they're on a whole different thing. I mean, they look like fucking, they're dressed like bikers. Yeah. You know, it's like, wait, what dude? And then fucking, you know, and then they take a bigger break. I mean, by an extra year mm-hmm. because they all go to rehab. They come back with Dr. Feelgood, same kind of look, that same kind of like biker more traditional fucking metal type of look mm-hmm. like more of a metal look now right than any of the really over the top bombastic glam looked back then you know the hair wasn't so teased it it you know there's no makeup it you know there's no studs or or color like colors on the leather it was you know all black and and more realistic looking right you know so I, I, that was one thing I thought was interesting about their career looking back at it was they were definitely like one of the lesser glam look mm-hmm. of the glam bands. But again, they played the same music, relatively the same lyrics. Their lyrics were a little bit darker, but they're all written by Nikki Six and he was, you know, addicted to heroin. I didn't know that. You know, huh. so yeah, he wrote all the lyrics, man. Like, well, him and Tommy, like, and everybody kind of knew that back then, you know, you'd read the magazine and they, they do all the magazines dominated by fucking Motley Crue, all the awards dominated by Motley Crue. Like it was ridiculous. I'm like, Mick Mars is the fucking guitar. Like what? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, he didn't win it a lot because Eddie Van Halen was around, but you know, most, for the most part, it was, you know, Eddie Van Halen, you know, and Tommy Lee on drums. And mm-hmm. it was just like, are you kidding me? Dude? Like, what the fuck? Like, so you know, Vince Neil's front man, it, it, whatever. That, that was one of the reasons I didn't like him. But everything, I mean, these guys dominated everything. But I also think a lot of the reason why was because they were the most realistic out of all of them. I could see that. It, like, like you're talking about this weird sweet spot where it's like it doesn't have the credibility of, uh, at the time, Metallica in the 80s, but it's more credible than Bon Jovi, more credible than Poison, any of those other ones. So it's- Well, Bon Jovi didn't look incredibly crazy either. Hmm. They never did. Like, they never dressed up like and looked like women. Yo, Poison looked, uh, dude. Look at the album cover for "Look What the Cat Dragged" and Google it right now, dude. Yeah, no, they, I know what it is. They're yeah. fucking pretty, dude. Yeah. You know, um, but for most, the most part, dude, a lot of the bands back then, like this, is kind of the misconception. There wasn't a lot of bands that did that, like full bore fucking women's makeup. There wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of bands that did that. A lot of bands had the long hair and that looked nice. 
you know, hairspray teased up, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yes. Yeah. But it was completely different than the fucking hippie scene. And if you had long hair and you fucking just let it fucking out, you just all your hippie. I mean, these guys were clearly saying, well, like, well, this isn't hippie stuff. Like, it, it, it was... It was totally fucking different, man. Like, and there wasn't a lot of them. I mean, I think Europe fucking looked, you know, had a little bit of the makeup going on. They looked more pretty. I mean, Molly Crew during Theater Pain looked pretty, but I don't think they had like full bore like women's makeup on. Wasp never did. You know, I mean, there was a lot of them. I, you know, but these guys were, I mean, even lyrically too, like, you know, Poison on their second album, you know, got a little more gritty and a little more street but by that time they'd been in la you know um but like i said the heroin addiction with with nikki you know and then vince getting in the fucking car wreck you know and yeah essentially killing his fucking buddy i mean they had kind of a darker fucking edge to them than a lot of the other fucking bands at the time and i do think that that's why they were so much bigger than a lot of other because towards the end of it the band that kind of overtook these guys was fucking Guns N' Roses, and they had that same thing. Yeah. They had that, it's more street-oriented, more dirty and darker and grittier than the pretty fucking let's party, sex, drugs, rock and roll stuff. Mm-hmm. And and especially by that time, you know, it definitely worked more for Guns N' Roses than even probably Motley Crue. You know, when Motley Crue was doing it, people wanted the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. They wanted the party music where by the time Guns N' Roses was coming down, people were getting kind of sick of it. Yeah, I never considered that. But yeah, that's true, huh? I, you know, especially because, and I mean, even Guns N' Roses kind of had their their period of proliferation, right? Because like, that's what I'm saying, dude. Like all the, what is it, five albums from the 80s of Motley Crue? That's like all they're known for, right? And then yeah, it just kind of Every two off. years. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a trajectory, dude. That's like the perfect trajectory for that. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're right. Like appetite comes out in 87 or 88, right? Somewhere uh, there. 88, I think. Okay. And so, yeah, then, and then after that you got use your illusion and all that. So yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know any of the shit that's listed for Motley Crue in the nineties at all. So yeah. You're yeah. Right. I, so as far as nineties Motley Crue goes, um, so Dr. Feelgood was like, you know, I mean, anybody who's heard the black album, that's Bob rock. Mm-hmm. And that's who they worked with was Bob rock. And he is, um, he's incredible at what he does. Yeah. That's, that's okay incredible at what he does, whether you like it or not, that's fine. But he's really, really fucking good at getting a particular fucking sound yeah that's why metallica wanted to go with him yes yeah yes okay if here's the thing if you want to go more commercial you have to find a commercial a a producer that could do that for you because you might not be able you might not be that good at writing those kind of songs as you think you are Mm -hmm. right and you know conversely if you want to get heavier and go more towards an underground thing you need to find a producer that can give you that because you maybe you're really good at writing catchy shit, but you're not good at writing heavy shit. Mm-hmm. Granted, not saying that they both can't be the same, but what I'm saying is you might not be good at writing one or the other. And so you need producers to take you there. 
I don't know if that's why Motley Crue, Motley Crue went with him. I don't think I, I don't recall ever hearing Bob Rock's name prior to that. Yeah, um, I don't. But I do know it was a big deal when they came out with that album. And there was a lot of buildup for this fucking album. You know, there was a lot of buildup because a lot of people, a lot of people knew about the, about how they went to rehab. And a lot of people, it was talked about like by reporters and, and the magazines and stuff like, what is the new Motley Crue going to sound like? Now, I always thought fucking Dr. Feelgood was three years later. It turns out, no, they're literally every two years. Mm-hmm. You know, and so as far as 90s goes, you know, because right after this, I mean, they, they you know, they not right after, but, you know, after this is when they break up, you know, mm-hmm. not, well, they don't break up. They fire Vince Neil or... If you ask him, he was, you know, he was fired. If you ask them, he quit. Um, so there was a big fucking, you know, there's five years before the next album. And that's when they got that dude, John Karabi. Yeah. And I have heard that album. Um, and that was kind of where I was just like, all right, man, I, I, I don't need any new Motley Crue. Yeah, I have the stuff I have. I don't need any new stuff. And they had, they had two songs before that. I don't know. I'm trying to look them up and see when they came out. Um, they released these two fucking songs, dude. And one of them's really fucking cool, man. Um, Primal Scream. And it was kind of a new-ish sound. Um, I want to say it might have been on Decade of Decadence. So they were like B-sides, or or rather one of those ones that they were new recordings. Okay, so here it is. Because in 91, they released Decade of Decadence, right? So they remixed Livewire. They, re, they remix uh, Piece of Your Action. They remix Home Sweet Home. You know, and it, dude, all of those remixes suck. Yeah, those, that's They're how that fucking terrible. Out, huh? um, yeah, well, you know, you can f- <laughs> fix it till it's broke. <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's what kind of what it was. Kickstart My Heart Live, which was a good live version of that song. And then they did a Tommy Bolin cover, speaking of glam. Um, I'm not sure if people know a lot of who Tommy Bolin is. So he played with a band called Zephyr, which not a lot of people know, but James yeah, Gang, which was um, Joe Walsh. Right. And then he, play, he, he uh, played in Deep Purple for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, his song, Teaser. Then they had Primal Scream and this song called Angela. And then they do an Anarchy in the UK cover. I've heard that. I don't know why, but I so, have. I don't really like the Angela song, but the fucking primal scream song was really fucking cool. So because they did that, that was essentially when my buddy comes up, he's like, you know, Hey, have you heard the new Motley Crue album? I'm like, no, but I mean, we can listen to it, whatever. And we listened to it. And I I mean, I like the song hooligans holiday. It's a little bit heavier for Motley Crue, but I mean, it's 1994. Yeah. There. I mean, by now it's like, okay, dude, we we already know like they're not going to be a heavy band but this is a he- heavier song because he's a heavier type um he's a rougher vocalist mm-hmm. you know a little bit heavier of a vocalist so but you know i don't remember anything else off the album to be completely honest and again like i said that was essentially i was like okay like i'm not i'm done with this i don't need to listen to any of that and i mean again it's 1994 man i mean new shit has come to light it's right <laughs> like, before kurt cobain's about to <laughs> take a dirt nap dude i mean yeah. it's 
dude, like everything is changing at that point. And it's like, okay, Motley Crue is done. I mean, this is like if fucking T-Rex came out with an album in fucking 87. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody that would be like, no, okay, old guys, not old guys, but old style. We don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah, for sure. There's a new thing happening and that's what we want. So yeah, I've never listened to anything aside from that. If I've heard something on the radio, maybe, I don't yeah. recall. I, I looked at the, this, um, was it Saints of Saints of Los Angeles? Yeah, I never heard that. I, I mean, all. I'm looking at the I've seen the title motherfucker of the year, but I don't I know for a fact I've never heard the song. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the song titles, I've never heard any of these. Um and this new tattoo album, I didn't even know it existed until yesterday. <laughs> Wait, like, isn't that isn't that like I, I'm not even the... kidding you. I, <laughs> I'm yeah, just but... like wow. When Van Halen first came back, didn't they have a song called New Tattoo as well? Oh, I don't know, man. I thought they did, man. That's why I'm looking at it going, wait, isn't that Van Halen? Hold up. Let me, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Look that up, man. Like, I mean, you know, there was Motley Crue. Okay. Here, I'm going to say this. I've never read the dirt. I want to, I've never read the dirt and Mm -hmm. I have not watched the movie yet. So no, nor I. Now, if, 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 here's one thing. I'm, I'm not going to talk about their antics. Mm-hmm. I'll just tell you, because, I mean, that could take a lot of time. Listen, if you want to know about Motley Crue's antics, and they are good, yeah, oh, yeah. get on YouTube and look up the me, behind the music. Yeah, dude. That, okay, so you know what? But let just, me tell you. Let me, let me give you a disclaimer first. Right. If there's any other behind the music you want to watch, you know, that anything that looks interesting, make sure you watch those first because the only one you're going to want to watch after you watch the Motley Crue one is the Ozzy Osbourne one. Oh yeah. That's the only one. Once you watch those two, everything else is whack, dude. Like it's just lame as fuck. It's boring. You dude, whatever ones you want to watch, watch those first and then watch the Motley Crue one. It's, now if you've already seen the dirt or if you've already read the book then you probably already know it's not that big of a deal Mm -hmm. but these guys were fucking crazy dude yeah dude i I go back to specifically the video it it has to be in uh the behind the music right where it's them doing whatever on the sunset strip i assume on in this hot tub jacuzzi thing right with a bunch of chicks that that defines that whole scene era oh is that girls 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 i thought it i think it was i don't think it was part of a music video i think it was oh, part of oh, just them oh. fuck, it was like behind the scenes hey man we're cruising down the sunset strip maybe for mtv yeah could be could be or a home video MTV. yeah, yeah could oh, be. okay side note yes van halen had a song when they had their first album back with david lee roth in 2012 called tattoo and there is a <laughs> lyric in there called new tattoo so that's why i got super confused <laughs> however motley crew apparently did it first so fuck wow. i don't know so interesting but um yeah you know that i because that was the, i guess that's the whole thing man is i i knew generation swine and then i saw the behind the music and that would have been like maybe a year later and um so yeah, I got I got caught up pretty quick. I love behind the music, dude. I miss behind the music. Um, as you said, yeah, that's pretty cool. Because they've done they've done updated versions of some of them. Like like they they updated uh, the Anthrax one when jo- uh, Joey Belladonna came back. They updated um, the Pantera. Yeah, I just watched one. that one recently. Yeah, they they updated the Pantera one. I don't remember why, but like 
it was interesting to get some insight on that. Uh, the Megadeth one is kind of similar to the Butley Crew one in as much as, hey, I almost died several times because I took a bunch of heroin. Uh, and the Metallica one was cool because that's when I was like really, really getting headfirst into Metallica and I wanted to know more. But the Motley Crue and Ozzy ones, to me, definitely go kind of hand in hand as far as the antics and the ups and downs. And they, well, they and I mean, and they did, that was kind of like their big break was opening for Ozzy. Yeah. And all you know, the like stories so about bands, them. But... Yeah. And all the stories about them touring together and all the crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. I mean, fuck, dude. Like Ozzy snorting a line of ants or whatever. I mean, the only thing I could think of is probably that rivals that in craziness. As far as what's known would be like Marilyn Manson touring with Nine Inch Nails. Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah. I've, I mean, I have read those books. And, I mean, fuck, dude. It, yeah, I can know, only imagine. It, it gets weird, man. It gets <laughs> weird. You yeah. know, so, I mean, so, yeah, I, that's kind of like, I don't, I don't know. One thing I want to know from you. Mm-hmm. So did you listen to any act? Did you actually listen to it or did you just write down the songs that you knew that it's your top five or did you listen to any of it at all? Like I, how I just, much, how much have you listened to old Motley Crue? I've listened. I mean, I've heard a lot of it in passing because I heard a lot of the shit at work because all my fucking coworkers back at now. Okay. My old job, because all my coworkers were way older than me. And so they like had all that shit on all the time. So if I caught, so, or if I heard something, they caught my ear, I'd always write it down back in the day so i remember him from that i mean otherwise i am gonna take a stab and say nothing from the 90s onward is on your list oh easily yeah so like i've never heard anything off any of those albums in fact i'll go spoiler there's nothing even off of dr feelgood really okay yeah because that's what i kind of feel like is like that's their zenith right like as far as and it's funny i'm looking at the uh track listing for dr feelgood i thought i would only know two songs i know three and I thought same old situation was poison up until this very moment. <laughs> just because I feel like that's just not, not what I, that's not a song I associate with Motley Crue, you know? That's ultra catchy. What are the three songs yeah. off of Dr. Feelgood that you know? Uh, so same old situation, uh, Kickstart My Heart. Kickstart My Heart, yeah. And what's the other one? Fucking. I is it Dr. Feelgood? Oh, Dr. Feelgood. No, it is. It's Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. Oh, so you've never heard, girl, don't go away mad. Girl, oh, okay. just go away. I, I have heard that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, because that was a that was a really huge song off that album. There like a lot of people say like that was their best album. I don't think so. It's definitely their best sounding album. So just like Black sure. Album, right? Because a lot of it is their biggest, but it's not like their best in a lot of people's Right, eyes. because Dr. Feelgood was the first single and they had the Terror in Tinseltown intro. And that video was shot like a fucking movie. Yeah. Um, that's the thing I got to give them right is all their videos up to that point, dude, smoking in the boys room. I remember they had Michael Berryman from, um, the Hills have eyes, the original Hills have eyes, the good one. Um, yeah, yeah, they had, I, I mean, dude, Dr. Feelgood came out and I mean, that was easy. Probably like, you know, they tuned down for this album too. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, to a lot of us, it was like, um to a lot of us it was like oh yeah like it's heavier sounding what are they tuned down to they're just tuned down to d but right i think the reason why was so vince could still sing the stuff yeah i mean it made sense it's like yeah 
you know, to me, it's like more more bands, especially as they get older, they need to really. I mean, they really need to fucking tune down, give their singer a fucking break, dude. Like, yeah, Black um, Sabbath, dude. That you hear those those live recordings. Well, and they were already at drop D for the most part. Yeah, but like, like even Ozzy has to like. If you think about a uh, Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, Ozzy's having to do it. Oh yeah, dude. Like that's lower. fuck, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, and then they come out with "Kickstart My Heart," which was another huge fucking song. And I mean, mm-hmm. a- another video that was everywhere and then i mean then without you which is the power ballad on this on the album i guess i have heard that too all right suddenly every dance you go to is playing that and then you got don't go away mad just go away and that was kind of a fun video they had more of a fucking updated look for them you know that shaved you know they had their hair long but it was shaved around the sides in the back the newsteads yeah and then they had like the (laughs) pony they had it in ponytail and and it was kind of chronicling like you know, the video is kind of like, I believe it's Vince, Tommy, and, and Nikki all kind of like break up with these chicks at the same time. And they meet out on the street. They go to the studio and Mick's sitting in the studio waiting for everybody to show up and jam or something. I don't know. It was really weird. wonder how and then, accurate that was. And then same old situation, which I don't remember the video, but I do remember it as a single. And, and it was fucking huge. And I mean, you're talking five out of nine songs, right? Yeah. That's okay. So, well, there's, there's 11 songs. Okay. No, there's an intro. So there's 10 songs. Five of them were huge singles. And then they have this song called time for change. I mean, that song, dude, fuck. I hate it so bad. Um, but it was a slow song that you could play at a fucking dance or whatever. So, I mean, that was a big song, even though it was, I don't believe it was released as a single. That was another huge song. So, I mean, it is almost like, I mean, it's crazy. Bob Rock is just that guy. He's responsible for these two albums that, like, over half the album is fucking singles. And yeah. I mean, huge singles. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. No. You Especially know, so, considering after that, it's kind of subjective with, with the bands he recorded with, right? Like. Right. Because apparently he did that Motley Crew. By the way, I I love it when a band does such a drastic change. They feel like okay, this is the one we're putting our name on for the self title, right? With John Karabi and Motley Crew and their right, changing right. their sound. Metallica, not to the same degree at all, but like like it's like okay, we're not what we were in the eighties now. Yeah. You know, Suicide Silence <laughs> when they're when they're going right. that that Ross Robinson route, and now and I'm sure there's other good examples, but now. You got uh, Lamb of God with their first album without Chris Adler. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> it's weird. But it's weird that people, man. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that talk about like that's just their definitive album, but mm-hmm. but the other way is, yeah, that we just changed. So this is, you know, the, the fucking album. This is us is, now. Yeah, this is us now, dude. Yeah. I kind of want to hear 90s Motley Crew now. <laughs> <laughs> just out of morbid curiosity you know oh fuck it's rough i i mean i tried to check out a couple things last night just for fun i mean i knew it wasn't gonna be on my list but dude as soon as we okay we wanted to do something fucking light it's been a rough week yeah it's been a rough couple weeks and mm-hmm. you know i wanted to do something light also we didn't really talk during this week so we yeah. really it was like oh hey are we recording and it's like oh shit yep, what yep, do we want to yep. do i'm like okay it's gotta be something easy yep not a huge fucking catalog to go through and you know 
I, I mean, dude, I fucking wrote down my five favorite. So here's the thing. For Motley Crue, for me, the reason this list was so easy. They have a lot of fucking hit songs. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of songs that I like. They don't have a lot of songs that I love. So yeah, I can see that. for me, it was like, oh, I wrote down six fucking songs. Okay, I got seven, actually. That was a shock to me. Nice. And, and I mean, again, I could talk about every song. Mm-hmm. But for me, as far as, you know, anything I really just fucking love, it's like six fucking songs. Right. You know, that, that I really love. And then, they, they, like I said, they have a lot of songs that I fucking like. You know, um, trying to think if there's, I mean, again, they're massively known for their antics, you know, and, and they're kind of like their um, behind the scenes. Yeah kind of stories and whatnot again if you want that stuff go check out the dirt whoever wrote the dirt i don't know but you know fucking right on um or you know go watch the fucking uh the netflix show i i i haven't watched it but i, just, I do want to watch it um yeah i haven't either. i am still interested in it <coughs> because these guys are fucking crazy do you feel and like at have, times they the, have the uh, kind of life that you can make a movie out of yeah do you feel like at times the the antics outshine the music Oh, absolutely. And top that all off, they had a lot of fucking publicity stunts. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, dude, wasn't... um. Uh, oh, wait. Okay, wasn't Tommy Lee hooked up with Heather Locklear at one point before Richie Sambora? Oh, yeah, dude. He was married to her for a long time. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like a big fallout with, with uh, Richie Sambora when he married her back or something. I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of that shit back in the day that I only heard about years later because I wasn't really, you know, there for it. For a lot of people, I guess on both ends. So if there was a lot of people on Tommy Lee's end that knew who he was, it was like, holy fuck, he's married to fucking Heather Locklear? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like you know, Tommy and then Lee. There's, there's people that are on the other end where they're like, she's married to this guy named Tommy Lee yeah okay yeah 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 for sure it's you know, it's so, just like he's a kind of a cult of personality all his own and he just happens to be in a and he just happens to be a drummer right where it's just like there's right. like a status well, he symbol. he became that see like, that's the thing is he's always been that time. to me it's it's like like because of when i came in it's just like oh he happens to be a drummer as well and i yeah, guess it's... we got to shout out his uh spinning drum set thing or whatever too right he was the first to do that that i'm aware of right it's not even that he was spinning it was like he was what was it it was like he was harnessed in and he was like going above the crowd upside down or something like that yeah oh yeah there's that's been in the video for fucking wild side yeah yeah like it, i mean he, he you want to talk about fucking showmanship yeah true a lot of the fucking glam bands, a lot of those guys were just ultimate showmanship. But they all had the budget to do so, too. Right. You know, where a lot of ba- other bands didn't. So, yeah, man, he was married to fucking Heather Locklear for seven years. Oh, that's longer than I would have thought of. Does yeah, that they, mean that's... Married, they got married in 86 and they divorced in 93. Goddamn. So is he lo- actually married to Heather Locklear longer than he was married to uh, Pam Anderson? Cause like, you know, I'm not sure. I, yeah. Okay. Hold on. I think so, dude. Like, I mean, I know they have kids or whatever, but yeah. so that was, yeah, it was 95 to 98. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, I feel like that's still like the bigger marriage 
you know, status wise. Well, of course because it of, is because the sex tape. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's more it's, iconic. You know, Heather Locklear, as awesome as she is, as beautiful as she is, she was really kind of known mostly just soap opera stuff. Right. Uh, it's Melrose Place? Later. Okay. And she looked amazing in that. But, I mean, she was mostly known for Dynasty. I knew her from this TV show called The Fall Guy, which, oddly enough, didn't really run that long. That's weird. Um, <laughs> you know, T.J. Hooker. She was on T.J. Hooker off uh, and on for okay. 84 episodes at shows. Um, you know, she did stuff, but she wasn't huge. Like, but a lot of people knew her from Dynasty because Dynasty was fucking huge. That was like her thing. Was, That's one of those names I've always heard that I hear was, was big a, in the 80s. She was a Carrington. You know, it was one of those things, right? I always get that confused but, with Dallas. But she was on Melrose Place for a while. Mm-hmm. She was also on Spin City. Which one's that? That's the That was uh, Michael J. Fox. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I remember um, that. She was but, on some show where she was like airport security or something for a minute and then it got canceled. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, what I'm trying to say is like she was really big in the fucking 80s. And that's why I say like probably more people were like, what the fuck? She's married to Tommy Lee? Mm-hmm. Like how? More so than people that knew Tommy Lee going, wow, he, he's married to Heather Lockwood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. I guess it was more of a fucking, it was a surprise on both ends, right? Yeah. But, but Pamela Anderson was in playboy mm-hmm. multiple times mm-hmm. she was on baywatch mm-hmm. which at the time probably more than fucking dynasty i i knew a lot of people that watched baywatch just for you know the eye candy male oh, and yeah. female yeah not a lot of people were doing that for dynasty true well right I, I guess. and then <laughs> the fact that like i mean the sex tape was pretty graphic mm-hmm. and I mean, and Tommy was like so over the top at that point. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, he, he just really was. And, and Pamela Anderson looked over the top at, the, at that point. Yeah. You know, that to me, I think. Well, it's crazy well, to media, think. Dude. Media was bigger too then. Yeah. You know, because, you know, yeah, you just didn't hear a lot of him with Heather. I mean, it was kind of something you knew, but. Yeah, like tabloid culture as a whole, basically. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, it was something you heard about, but not like, oh, it wasn't focused on. Where by the time he's with Pamela Anderson, I mean, fucking, you know, it's already getting, you know, it's starting to get more and more saturated and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Talk about a different time. It's just crazy to think, too. Before I even knew that was her, uh, Pamela Anderson got her start on Home Improvement as the, what time is it for the... Uh, tool time or whatever if you recall that whole thing oh yeah 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 she okay. was the tim the tool man taylor's tool lady or whatever yeah yeah and then she went on to baywatch pretty much right after that so it was somebody different yeah there's something interesting i just saw a quote from nikki six i wanted a band that would be like david bowie and the sex pistols thrown in a blender with black sabbath there you go that sums it up perfectly right pretty interesting because i fucking had listening to stuff last night i was like wow they have a lot of fucking a lot more sabbathy riffs than i remember them having Mm -hmm. 
makes sense, dude. That that, part, that sums it up pretty well, I gotta say. And that's in reference to them just starting out, or just his his vision for what would become Molly Crew. It was just probably just starting out. I mean, dude, honestly, I I cannot think of especially in the eighties. I cannot even imagine one metal band not saying Black Sabbath had something to do with it. For sure. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I just I I just can't even imagine a fucking band like that. Now, I remember so I liked Motley Crue. I'm a young kid and me and a couple friends, you know, went to go help my dad with something before we could take off, you know, before I was allowed to leave the house or whatever. Mm -hmm. And my dad looked at all of us and he was like, well, that's a Motley looking crew. Ah. And we all just went, Oh my God. Oh my God. Did you hear that? That's the story of whatever. Yeah. That's the story of how they they got the name. name. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they got the name. Um, It was from Mick Mars old band called white horse. And Ah, and someone says a Motley looking crew. He wrote it, spelled it slightly different. And then they put the umlauts on there because of low and brow, which they were drinking at the time. Right. (laughs) There's a name I have not heard in years, (laughs) by the way. Oh, same here, man. Like the fuck cracks me up, dude. Like, it's just so, it's just fucking funny. I love how bands get their names. Sometimes like some of them are so good, dude. Some of them are just stupid, but some of them are so fucking good, man. Yeah. Sorry, you got me on this whole tangent about thinking, yeah, wasn't Nikki Six hooked up with a bunch of famous people too? And here's the name I haven't uh, heard of yeah. in a long time is Donna Dierico, also from Baywatch. Yeah, yep. Yeah, dude, same deal. <laughs> and, uh, these guys were fucking celebrities, dude. Yeah, man. Like, these guys were fucking huge. Yeah. Him and that Cat Von D chick. Yeah, I don't... It would be hard for someone like my son's age, like coming up now to understand how huge not just motley crew though but i mean just fucking hair metal in general yeah i mean I, and i'm metal, the same way dude metal will never be in the spotlight like that again and a lot of the reasons why it was because it was so fucking pop oriented mm-hmm. right but the big difference is is fucking back then a lot of the music even the pop music had guitars and guitar solos in them yeah like, dude, one of Michael Jackson's biggest fucking songs is Beat It, and it has an actual, honest-to-God, distorted guitar riff in it. Mm-hmm. And a guitar solo. Yep. Like, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Talk about a different time. Oh, yeah, dude. It's It, it was way different. You know, and it, it was just kind of like this perfect storm, really. I don't, I don't yeah. think metal will ever be. And there's, you know, I mean, for all the people that say this isn't metal, whatever, that's fine. Th- then don't think it's not, you know, then don't call it metal. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You don't need to fucking, you don't need to show off and tell everybody your metal knowledge by telling people it's not metal. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, no one cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so that's the important part. So, yeah, that was it was a phenomenon dude yeah and then obviously yeah it got it got watered down you did have as as the music business became more of a business and and dollars were getting bigger you had more and more labels that were more about like well it's you know let's make 
you know, let's actually start a label to make some money and this is mm-hmm. going to be our business. Let's just grab anybody we can that's going to be in this thing. And so you do get a lot of watered down stuff, but I mean, that's, that's any, any genre. That's how it goes. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, here's another thing for us growing up then prior to hearing death metal. So now you have a weird thing going on, at least for a little while, there is a thing going on where it's like, well, let's see who can get lower. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. How can vocals get lower? Yeah. To the point where you have people just sounding ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Well, That's back my- then it was the opposite. It was who can sing higher. Yeah. Was it Jeff Tate from Queensryche claimed to be the highest singer there was for a hot minute? And I'm well, sure there's he somebody was, higher. He was known to have the highest, the f- biggest range mm. because he gets also sing really low. Yes, that's like true. you listen to Silent Lucidity and he's actually, he's singing. There's some really low parts in there. Yeah. Now, not, he's not screaming or gutturaling low. He's singing in a very, very deep register. Like, and then he can also go super fucking high. Yeah. Now that doesn't count your falsetto because everybody could do that. But you know, I mean the stuff that he's doing. Yeah. Most of these guys would have to hit falsetto to do it, mm-hmm. but it kind of culminated with guys like Mark Slaughter, uh, who yeah. was ridiculously high singer, you know, and not, again, not the hugest range. He was just in a higher range. And then the, the fucking dude, um, Mike Matijevic from fucking Steelheart, who ended up doing the stuff for the, the band Rockstar. Or sorry, the movie Rockstar, the band was Steel Dragon. Yeah, um, love that movie. Fuck, that dude was crazy fucking high. Right. And, and that was kind of, you know, another guy comes to mind, World Dane. Yeah, R.I.P.D. Yeah, World Dane, man. Like, that first Sanctuary album, man, he doesn't do it a lot. But, man, he fucking, dude, he'll go high and it's crazy sounding. That was a big thing back then was who could go higher. Who's, you know, I mean, for at least for me and my friends, it was like, who's, who can go higher as a singer? And like, and, and it was a fucking big deal. And I mean, you had, you know, the weird thing I always thought about that time you had fucking like the shred guitar. You had these guitar players like, like Mick Mars and, and, and CC DeVille where they, you know, they weren't that great solos. Uh, Mick Mars was okay. He started off as a country musician, you know, and became, in Motley Crue because he wanted to have a career in music. Hmm. He, he just loved music. He, he just wanted to play guitar. Hmm. He, he basically had to put his dream aside because country wasn't going to make him any money. It wasn't big then. Yeah. In a he sense, knew. he really did sell his soul for rock and roll. And, 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 you know, I applaud him for it. He's, he's a dedicated musician, but, but I mean, at his heart, he's a blues guitar player, right? Hmm. CC DeVille, you know, more blues based, but I mean, you know, not the fucking greatest. There wasn't, there was a bunch of guys like that, but there was also guys like fucking George Lynch. There was guys like Paul Gilbert that were around. Mm-hmm. There were guys like Warren D. Martini and Robin Crosby for that matter from rat that were mm-hmm. blues based, but they were like these kind of really incredible, like solo, like lead guitar player, soloist, right? Obviously Eddie Van Halen, Randy Rhodes, Carlos Cavazzo from fucking Quiet Riot was another one. You know, Richie Sambora was a really good guitar player, right? Mm -hmm. The weird thing is, man, all the drummers are like fucking same. Yeah, that's true, huh? Like none of us. The only one that even fucking stands out really would be like fucking, you know, Tommy Lee with his antics. Yeah. But not with anything he plays. I mean, to be honest with you, I could barely even listen to Too Fast for Love anymore because I was listening to it last night and I fucking just really, 
I don't know. Like maybe I just fucking repressed it into my brain, but there's an inordinate amount of fucking cowbell on that album. <laughs> yeah, that immediately came to mind. Yeah. cowbells on that album. I'm like, what in the fuck, dude? But Alex Van Halen, you know, at, at the time, you know, did a lot of fucking things. And I mean, Tommy Lee, you know what's really weird, man? There's actually probably more double bass on fucking um, Shout of the Devil than probably any Metallica album. Yeah, I could I could see that. Or at least the same amount, because Lars doesn't double bass a whole lot. No, that's true. You know, and I mean, my, and Tommy Lee does it in a few fucking songs, man. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of those guys that were like really, like really fucking standout drummers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's I always thought that was so weird. I, there's probably more standout bass players than standout drummers. Yeah, I, I mean Billy Sheehan, I'm, obviously. I mean, yeah, but, yeah. But Nicky I still Six can't is think a good of a bass player. I mean, he didn't just yeah. run on the root note. I mean, he's a good he's a good bass player. Um, yeah. You know, the dude from fucking Poison's kind of garbage, but you can have. I mean, fuck, if you're playing this kind of shit, you can have a garbage bass player. Well, that was another thing too. I always thought was weird with glam. There's a lot of those bands that weren't super riffy. Hmm. You know, there's a lot of Molly Cruz songs that aren't super riffy. I mean, like like riffs, dude. Not, I mean, obviously the guitar is playing something, but there's a difference between playing a fucking riff and then like fucking having your bass player hold it fucking down, and you're just kind of accenting what he's playing. That's true. You yeah. know that that was a big thing for fucking glam stuff. It was it was a diff- little bit of a different style of playing. It was more of a fucking pop style of playing. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, that's really what it was. I mean, granted, not all the songs, but I mean, a lot of them. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a lot of those bands. I mean, I would say Motley Crue, I'd probably put them in the classes if not Riff City, but, um, you know, they might have been like, I don't know, a couple, maybe just in the suburbs of Riff City. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. You're putting I mean, a lot they're of more in the in suburbs. The- they're more in the suburbs of Riff City than something like, I think, Poison, probably. I like your phrasing. Guys, you just putting <laughs> things into a lot of perspective that I'd never thought of about that time before. Huh. I mean, I just, I, over the years, I mean, I've gone back and listened to this stuff and I've, I've never really talked about it. I mean, it's just, just ideas in my head. I mean, yeah. I'm just. You're also you know, able to pick things apart a little more as you get older than in a way that you weren't before, you know? Yeah. You're not as connected to it. It makes it a little bit easier, but I, you know, on, on Twitter, we have a, you know, we follow some of these guys that are like this, you know, these glam pages and stuff. That's mostly for me, but right. But it is pretty weird watching those guys that are still kind of stuck there uh, and, and, yeah. and seeing like what they've convinced themselves of. Like I said, yeah. like, the, like the Van Halen's not glam thing. Like it's, I don't know. I mean, I even asked some of those guys, I'm like, okay, I'm just curious. Like if when you, when I say Van Halen on a, on a, on the heaviness scale, where is that for you? Oh, for me? Like, no, I mean, no. I'm I'm asking these, these oh, okay, okay. people on Twitter. Like, where is that for you? Because we're we were in a fucking conversation. It was one of those pick four, or pick mm-hmm. one out of the four, whatever. Right. And it was just a conversation. I'm like, okay, like for reference, I, I just need something for reference. You know, on on the scale of heaviness, you know, maybe let's go one to five. Even where is Van Halen for you? Because I need to, I need to know where this is at, 
so I can understand some of your comments because your comments are just really driving me up a wall, <laughs> you know, because they're talking about it being so different and it's not as fucking commercial and it's not radio. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like, where is this for you? Because you guys are acting like Van Halen's is fucking underground. Like you're really talking about them. Like they're like people that listen to underground music talk about fucking, I don't know, a day to remember. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm like, dude, there's no, like there's a huge difference. It doesn't even come close. There's a huge difference between dark funeral and a day to remember. Yeah, for sure. There, dude, there is, almost no difference between van halen and motley Crue. yeah i they're both blues based fucking rock bands yes you know and one of them has a better guitar player than the other <laughs> yeah I, yeah i mean it's crazy yeah no i feel that I, I i understand i agree with the sentiment to me i mean you could say yeah i i still think Van Halen's like the antecedent to to hair metal definitively, but you could still put them in there at the same time. But yeah, no, I, I maybe it's again a time and place thing for some people. I, I tell you what, man, if you if well, yes, yeah, I don't consider Van Halen. Oddly enough, I don't consider them a fucking hair metal band or a glam band. I consider them a classic rock band. Yeah, yeah. I I'm just saying, like when you're talking about the music of it and these fucking dudes are acting like it's just worlds apart. And I'm like, yeah, what? no, 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 you know, that's like, true. Yeah. It just seemed strange to me. So let's get into the list. First off, honorable <laughs> mentions or in well, your case, honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I only got a couple and I mean, obviously there's some stuff. I mean, there's some songs that are big enough. Like we should probably discuss them a little, like, not discuss yeah, for them, sure. but shout them out or whatever. Yeah. Cause but I know there's a bunch of the song shout at the devil. Okay. Yeah, yeah, his yeah. delivery on that, Vince Neil's delivery on that fucking like in the verses is actually really fucking good. It's really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, like um not really fast, but I mean it's it's a fast delivery. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, I mean it's you know, I I I never understood what it was about. <laughs> you know, it's cuz cuz they have this whole thing like, you know, so come now, children of the beast, be strong and shout at the devil. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I uh, thought the children of the beast would shout with the devil. You know, yeah, and then they have this other thing. They had this other thing in, in the in the album. It was just like this little fucking interlude thing. And it was like, it's like a, about a minute and a half or something. It was like, God bless the children of the beast or some shit like that. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah, um see i was always really confused by that so but i do like that song it's, it's a really cool fucking song mm-hmm. um you know i'm gonna shout out their fucking uh their cover helter skelter i don't like the beatles uh but they made Damn. that song tolerable and <laughs> then friends. my other honorable mentions red hot i don't know if it's in your list or not but no i don't that even is know what one, that is that is one where he is that's another one off shout of the devil where he's really double basing mm. Um, again, they say shout at the devil in that one. You know, it's like somebody like, shout at the devil. Dun, 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 dun. So Can't nice you say it twice. We're out for blood. Take out, take out, down. It, I mean, it's more like a fucking. It, it, the, the song actually reminds me of something like 
a little more tame, but like something like the, what Motorhead would do. Mm. You know, same kind of riff, just the fucking down, 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 with the fucking you know behind it on the drums. You know, with these these fast paced drums, it, it kind of reminds me of a tame version of something Motorhead would do. Mm-hmm. Um, their version of "Smoking in the Boys Room" obviously is awesome. Shit, I keep forgetting that's a cover. Um, now it's what like fucking vaping in the unisex bathroom yeah um and i mean obviously you know shout out home sweet home but i mean everybody knows that so i'll give you a couple fucking gems off of uh, each album dude mm-hmm. one's in my list but on theater of pain um use it or lose it is really good kind of a more up-tempo but tonight we need a lover they have this i mean the opening riff check it out like it's a cool fucking riff dude like there's some uh they they got some cool fucking riffs going on man i mean i don't really like much uh, like there's a song off of girls 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 that's in my list but i don't really like that album a whole hell of a lot and uh i mean i would say probably off dr feel good i mean just listen to the fucking singles i mean right first of all it's half the album yeah you know (laughs) but as far as the first album goes, I mean, Cowbell Aside, it's a really good album. Um, I do have one song off of there. But, um, you know, I always liked, like, Starry Eyes. Just the guitar sounds really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty good solo in it. And Piece of Your Action's fucking fun, too. For sure. I uh, I keep going back to a lot of these songs, and I keep thinking they're off of um, Dr. Feelgood. And then I see that, no, they're they're... They're off others. I just keep going back to that one because it's like the biggest or whatever, right? Just like I'm sure a lot of people just think <laughs> of the Black Album when they think of Metallica. So I'm learning a lot about myself today. Uh, as far as honorable mentions, I only have two. But like you said, there's plenty. I, You know, shout out to Girls, Girls, Girls being a fun song. And they got the fun video where they're doing the catcalling and the biking and the strip joints and all that. Oh, dude. So that song, I love the story of that song, right? Mm-hmm. They went, I, I, can't, I think it might have been Vince Neil. Whoever it was came up with the idea for it, right? They're like, fuck, I want to, you know, we, we want to write a song, like kind of shout out like strip clubs or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Nikki Six basically, the, the story goes that I heard or read or whatever, it was basically fucking Nikki said like, well, write down all the fucking strip clubs that you go to. And Vince just wrote down all these fucking strip clubs. Nikki fucking walks off with the list and comes back with the fucking song. I've never heard of that. And he works in the names of all the fucking, it's, it is like, um, Oh, California girls. You know how he lists off the, the, the states and the cities and whatnot. Yeah. 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 Like into, into the lyrics or whatever, into Mm -hmm. the lines. It's the same kind of thing, except they're listing off strip clubs into the, the, the thing, you know, like, um, that part of it, I it, it's a clever song. I like that. It's clever lyrically. I mean, other than that, eh, whatever. Yeah, it's I, fun. Uh, it's a yeah. good party song. Yeah, I guess I also got a shout out. Um, your like you said, smoking in the boys' room because I did like that video when I was a kid. You know, they got hits. It's a great I just, video. Yeah, Michael Berryman, shout out. Yeah, um, dude. but just like like so. Okay, as far as my actual honorable mentions, again, I, I'm not like a Motley Crue fan, so to speak. So this is more of just like songs i have to give proper props to right especially okay sorry 
when uh when the 80s show happened last summer at brick by brick that sd put on and uh and they did like a motley crew set i want to say it was like a block of three songs and then maybe one or two more just popped up throughout the show and i was sitting there going damn i gotta have to give some of these songs their proper dues because they're fucking cool like they're just good songs right so honorable mention number one for me okay and i also gotta back up because i fucked up the generation swine thing is like the first time i properly became familiar with the motley crew name and understood what was what the first song and the first video i actually saw when i was like six without knowing who they were five or six was home sweet home so i keep forgetting that um right but like you know it's the classic story of just like oh man it's hard being on the road i love i love playing with the you know the shows for the audience but sometimes i just want to be home with my family and i again i thought this that was, was their the, first huge song i could imagine right it's and that, that was the one where i really feel like people took them seriously as musicians i could see yeah it's it's got a lot of crossover appeal in a way that the older stuff probably didn't have right and uh and again because of that i thought it was a dr feelgood song so when i saw it it was off the theater of pain i was like oh all right so i'm learning a lot while we're doing this that's kind of cool also shout out to the uh, motley lou version from the end of hot tub time machine if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about <laughs> uh only other i totally forgot about that. yeah you remember that word <laughs> oh that's fucking great man yeah. i need to watch that again i haven't watched it for so long yeah same <laughs> I never, I never watched the second one, but I heard that it's better to remain that way. Unfortunately, I saw the second. I didn't hate it, but it's not the I same. Didn't like it? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just whatever. It's not yeah. that big of a deal. For sure. <laughs> Only other honorable sh- or uh, honorable mention I got is uh, "Looks That Kill," just because like it's a fun song, man. Like it's just a fun ass fucking you know. You know which one? "Looks That Kill." Oh yeah, yeah. It's a good mid pacer, you know, like like it's you know, a fun song. For someone that doesn't know, man, I mean you've probably heard this, especially if you're a Grand Theft Auto fan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Their shit is all over Grand Theft Auto. Like Absolutely. Oh yeah. So I mean, that's about it. And uh I'm just looking at the rest of my five going, Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with where my five are at. You wanna kick it off? Right on. Huh? Yeah, mine. My number five is Wild Side. It's my one song off of Girls, Girls, Girls album that I like. Righteous. I, you know, the main riff, you know, the fucking like the bass running through there with the drum beat, you know, it's, you know, it's got the like it's got a good pace on the song. You know, guitar subdued through the verse, uh, pretty simple. Down, down, down. You know, it's that it's that non-riff thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then all the you know the fucking the down, 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 down. It's like a little fucking blues breakdown for the verse. Mm-hmm. I, I I just I fucking love it, dude. Like, um, you know, and then when you're a kid, it's just, you know, kicking ass on the wild side, like. Everybody loves that shit, man. I mean, you know, and again, like it was their like little biker look. It's it's a little bit of a grittier fucking song than what's coming out at the time. I mean, within this scene, I mean, obviously, fucking, I mean, you know what, fucking, uh, I mean, Justice for All was out at this point, but yeah, um, but yeah, for 
for the hair metal slash glam metal stuff, I mean, this was definitely different. Um, yeah, I always like the fucking song Cool Video. This is the one where, where Tommy Lee straps in and goes, you know, upside down, like, um, you know, he right. twirls. Um, and and they and it's it's cool. They have the the video camera on him, and you see him, and his you know his hair fucking goes up. You know, it's it's a pretty cool visual, especially for back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, back then, it's I mean, fuck, dude, no drummer ever did anything like this. I mean, probably the only thing I'd think of was uh, I believe Kiss had a riser one time that would go up. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Um, but I mean, I think that was probably the only drum acrobatics i'd heard of yeah how many time. times have you seen it copied since you know i know jordison did something yeah he did that he uh, did where it was uh it went upwards and then it like like the drum riser had a pentagram on it that would reveal itself yeah when he yeah was like at 90 degrees yeah he was 90 like degrees and then he would twirl right yeah it's like a like a fucking pinwheel Yeah, and now uh, at least in Europe and Australia, I think Parkway does like a drum cage thing. I haven't, I don't, haven't seen it in full effect. Uh, Right, right. It's 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 a fun thing, and I mean, I thought he did something else too, where he had something where he was playing drums and he went out over the crowd. Tommy Lee. Yeah, that's my recollection. That's that's what I remember Um, seeing as a kid. I think that was after this. Mm -hmm. His next thing was he was drumming in and it came up you know up from the stage it went up and then it went forward out to out like over the crowd or something like that and i don't know if it twirled at that point or whatever um again like i mean you know you talk about showmanship man and i mean these fucking guys were all about it yep who did the Um, who did the rope swing over the audience that was van halen like back in the day right or was it aerosmith Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever fucking even seen that. I know, I know David Lee Roth used to have a rope. Well, there's that video for Panama where they're where Eddie Van Halen's like in a harness. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and he's like Superman, but he's playing his guitar as he's going across the stage. Yeah, there was. I think it was Aerosmith. He had this thing. Steven Tyler had this thing. I think it was them. I think I saw it. Was that where it was like a thing that went over the crowd where he's like hanging off of a rope and then he goes from one side of the stage to the other, like over the audience or something like that. You know, those, those old school rock showman type things. I'm trying to look it up right now, but yeah, I mean, uh, what do you look up? Like fucking. Yeah. What, how do you search that? Rock. Yeah. But then Uh, you look up rock and it's just like, looks up rocks, you know, like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Try, I'll try rock band. Let's tr- see that. Mm. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. Like, not not actually swinging out over the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we tried on my end. This is the two dudes Google things at the same time segment of the show. Always <laughs> fun. Hey everybody, um, if you could just email us and tell us how our keyboard sounds, yeah, that would be fucking great. I got nothing. Yeah, we might have Mine's, to. I'm mostly coming up with rope swings, which yeah, we, are fucking amazing. I love them. Yeah, we might have to. We might have to come back to this one, but <laughs> I swear, dude, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's Steven Tyler. I might have to consult a buddy that went to see Eros with me X number of years ago that might be able to back this up. We'll we'll have to do some. We got to do a top five stage antics thing or something like that <laughs> at, at some point too. So maybe that'll come. Yeah, that might be good one. There's all kinds of them. Yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to add to Wild Side for the moment? 
No, man. Uh, that's about it. Cool. So I'll what go. What is your number five? Number five. We already talked about it a little earlier. Going too young to fall in love. We uh, nice. not just the video, but like like it's again. It's uh, I guess for a lot of these, I'm going with more mid paced songs, and it's not like they had like super any you know super fast songs or anything either. But um, but this way it's a solid riff. You know, we're talking about riffs and whatnot. This is and also the vocal interplay that goes in with it it's got a catchy ass chorus and on top of all of that dude yeah the video i remember seeing the video when i was in eighth or ninth grade or something going oh this is fun where they're all doing the arms crossed looking at you all you know malintent ways <laughs> and whatnot like oh they're gonna start some shit and like i think they rescue have to rescue some chick that got kidnapped in a warehouse or something like that i just remember seeing yeah them. there's something like that going yeah, on. yeah you know what i mean it's it's not entirely clear what's going <laughs> on in fact you could probably extrapolate it into all sorts of different things uh beyond that but that's just a fun ass song it's a fun ass video man that's pretty simplistic that's why it's number five and not four, three, two, or one? We're we're gonna get into that in a sec. What's okay, your? Okay, I'll uh, just say it right now. But that that's my number two. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, but Wild Side was my number three. So, <laughs> like that is my first. That's the first song I heard of theirs, and I just love the fucking riff in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the music. I love the guitar sound. You know, and I don't know if I'm hearing like remixed or remastered versions. I don't know. They might be. Mm, <laughs> you know, like, right. I, but I always thought like, um, even back then, I just loved the way the fucking, that just that one drum beat at the start of it. You know, just the simplest fucking drum beat ever, but sounds fucking good. Mm-hmm. But there's just a, uh, there's a little bit, uh, you know, actually, cause we didn't ever release our guitar tones episode. Cause I, I don't know why I've never. Anyway. Um, We're saving it for later. Yeah. This is, I think that's one reason why I like this. This is kind of like that. It's in that same guitar tone that I like where they've got those mids up a little bit. It's got a little bit of bite to it, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's not overly gainy, obviously, but. But I mean, it sounds really fucking good. But just that fucking like it's just a good fucking solid riff, man. Like, um, and yeah, the video, like like I said, I mean, this is the song that kind of took me from stuff like Sticks and and Journey, you know, Kiss, um. And you know, just random radio stuff to like really like heavy metal. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I can't really think of one before this. If I said another one, I apologize. For sure. <laughs> you know, at some point I was lying, I guess. But this is the first one I really remember taking me into into fucking like I love this kind of you know not just this kind of music i love heavy metal mm-hmm. like i'm gonna be a fucking metal person yeah um so let's see wow this list might end up going fast because we're overlapping pretty good okay <laughs> yeah with this kind of band <laughs> that's pretty easy to go right well yeah because they don't have like i said they don't have a ton well, for one, they don't have a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's true. You know, well, I mean, yeah. E- even with the stuff in the '90s and the 2000s, they still don't have a ton of fucking stuff. I that's mean, true. All their songs are relatively fucking, you know, ten to eleven fucking songs. And I mean, and again, they're a lot of it really is just the standout stuff really stands out so hard that it makes a lot of other really good songs look less. Well, Which sir. is weird, but um all right, so speaking of cowbell. Fucking live wire off the first song off the first fucking album. Mm-hmm. Um now granted this release is the second one. It's a remix version of the very first one that came out in. Uh, I can't remember how how much earlier it came out. Since then, they actually have an even newer version that has. Um, it has um, the fuck is the name of that song? They had they ha- so there was a song that was taken. Stick to your guns. Mm-hmm was taken out of the original fucking recording. And if you look it up on Spotify now, it is back on the original recording. Interesting. Um, with a couple extra, two other bonus tracks or something. But but I don't know if I've ever actually heard the absolutely original one. Because shortly, it was, I don't know if, I think they re-recorded it, didn't they? I, I can't remember. no idea. You're telling me things I did not know. Um, yeah, because... Let me look it up real quick. They they had a version of this. Um, they recorded it really fucking, like, relatively quickly. I can imagine. Is so? Let and me then, ask you this: Are you talking about the one with the video? The one that is the sound of the video? Um, I'm not sure. I don't. Th- I, I barely remember the video. Oh yeah, Vince Neil's in like red leather, huh? Yeah, it's just them playing, yeah. as far as I remember. So, yeah, the first re- recording session was October 81. Okay, yeah, so the album was remixed and re-released in 82. Okay. Huh. But on Spotify, it does say 81, so I'm assuming that's probably the old one, like the original the original mix. Yeah, so what I'm looking at – okay, so first off, I do have to give them this this amount of props. There, there's a lot of things that you could say about Motley Crue specifically that you can't say about a lot of other bands of their ilk from that era. One of them, I remember the them being the guys. They pressed it themselves like a fucking hardcore band would, like like Discord yeah. Records, you know. Like like you got to give them all the props in the world for that. Then they get picked up by Elektra. Elektra, you know, reissues the album. It sounds like re, you know, does a remix on it too, because it by all means it's a DIY album. So fucking good on them for that. And uh, I have more to say that I'm gonna save for later. So I'll just stick with that. Well, it's, it's crazy because like they. They, in a sense, I, I feel like, and I, you know, and I mean, I wasn't there. So if you were there, fine. That's awesome. I, you know, part of me envies you. <laughs> For sure. But I mean, they really kind of fucking invented the Hollywood glam scene. Yeah. Or that's the Hollywood hair sure. metal scene. Uh-huh. You know, I mean... If they didn't, if they didn't invent it, they reinvented it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know Quiet Riot was around prior. I know Van Halen was around prior. Yes, yeah. we know. Yeah, but I mean, they really took 
the Hollywood scene by fucking storm. I think um, that's what so, I'm saying. Are they the death of glam metal, so to speak? You know what I mean? Maybe if we're talking about the what if we're talking about like in terms <laughs> right. of like possessed being Van Halen or whatever. They're the ones that really made it a thing. Right, right. It could be, man. Like, if, so have you ever seen the album cover for the? I don't know what album it is. It's a Rolling Stones album with the crotch shot. You ever seen uh, that? I, I think if, I think the actual LP has a fucking actual zipper and everything. Vague, which is weird, but <laughs> no, no. I, 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 I'm picturing it in my head. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I mean, that's this is basically their version of that. Right. You you okay. look at the album cover of this one and it's but it's it's the same thing, but it's like the leather studded belt, the leather glove on one hand. You know, it's almost giving you the devil horns on the other fucking hand, and I mean it's got mm-hmm. the fucking handcuffs for fucking belt buckle. Like it's it's basically the same thing. And I mean I remember seeing that and I was just like, Oh man, that looks like the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Absolutely. And I always thought it was like a fuck you to the Rolling Stones. Turns out it was a fucking homage to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah. I, you know. just, I just think that because I don't like the Rolling Stones. So, yeah. I like, I like <laughs> some Rolling Stones. It's just that, that there's like a lot more that I'm just like indifferent to. But yeah, no, I get you. I like them way more than the Beatles. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> that'll be a fun one. But, um, but no, there's a lot. There's actually, eh, I want to, I want to wait to talk about this era a little more, actually. You have anything else you want to talk about on Livewire? Um, no, no. I was gonna say something about the end, but that's where the cowbell is, you know, because they have the fucking dun dun dun, and it's got the yeah, dude. Yeah, because they go right onto Tommy Lee in the video for the cowbell parts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's they've got these little breaks and they got these little it's like a little fucking solo thing that Tommy's doing or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. for back then, it was it was a little bit clever-ish. So, oh yeah, man, somebody's got to be the first, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Someone's got to invent the stuff, I guess. I don't know. Um, number four for you. So my number four is the title track off Doctor Feelgood. Oh, I, there's something nice. about that vibe. Like, like I, you know what probably really sold me is there's a trailer for Army of Darkness uh, that's sandwiched. It's all Bob Rock recordings. Go figure. So the first part is. Um, what is it? Is it sad but true? Yeah, it's sad but true uh, by Metallica. Then it's Doctor Feelgood wedged in between, and then it's um, Holier Than Thou by Metallica. Um, so it was just like because I obviously knew the 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 first and the third. I didn't know what the first or the second was, and when I figured out that was Motley Crue, I was like, "Oh, this is the fucking thing everybody's talking about." Okay. <laughs> And uh, it's a catchy ass riff, and it's got the cool little intro. It's the intro more than anything. That's that. Oh yeah, dude, that fucking. But the whole thing that makes is that creepy guitar over top of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that's. I mean, to be completely honest with you, it's kind of fucking misleading. Yes. This, I mean, this shit is the the intro. This shit is hard, dude. Like it's legit hard. Like, granted, not the heaviest guitar sound but like what they're playing the bass sound you know and the yeah it's it's a sinister thing mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it goes to the fucking like and it goes literally into motley crew like yeah yeah it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah so that's weird. true 
<laughs> it's just like it's interesting it, it, and it's a catchy ass part too man i gotta give even yes, the, even the verses and the chorus yep. and all that um i've only seen clips of the video i don't know if i've ever watched the whole thing but it's kind of like a burning man before burning man was a thing uh, right? yeah so it's like a sinister carnival vibe kind of um, yeah it's got that bass through the through the verse you know and there's a down out out down out yeah yeah so it's more of um it's like a heavier version of like a pop style thing that almost every genre of music has. Yeah. You know, the almost I, every genre of music does something like that. Yes. Yeah. I, the more I think about it, Molly crew was kind of unique uh, amongst their peers in as much as like a lot of their peers went for the pure commercial, Let's try to get all the chicks thing that they obviously had, but they also had a bit of a darker edge to them that also kind of, you know, they were feeling around kind of, they weren't just sticking to the one thing. So I, I got to give them props for that. And yeah, the intro yeah. right there is like a prime example of that. Um, oh yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they definitely did. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call them experimental, but I mean, but more they, than their peers for sure. Yeah. They did experiment. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. they did try a lot of different fucking things. I mean, fuck even home sweet home with the piano. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, that was, there wasn't a lot of those bands doing that at that time. Right. You know, it's, you know, it's unique amongst, amongst their group. Uh, anything else you'd like to add about Dr. Feelgood? No, I always, I always liked the I always liked the song. Righteous. Um, How about your number? I mean, I would then? definitely say it's probably my, easily my favorite off that fucking album. That's for sure. Ah, okay. Um, so your number three was Wild Side. My yes. number three, I think, is one of their heavier fucking songs. Oddly enough, and it's not that heavy. <laughs> well, there's a disclaimer, but yeah, you know, that's just—it's a relative heavy, right? Yeah, you—you got to think of like. I guess I don't know. I, I've just always, and it's another one that starts. As much as I hate Tommy Lee, or I hate Tommy Lee, but I don't like Tommy Lee. Fair. As much as I don't like Tommy Lee, I have a lot of these songs that start off with his fucking drums. It's louder than hell off a of fucking theater of pain. Good times. A little bit of chorus on the guitar because mm-hmm. it was the eighties, you know, right? <laughs> but that fucking down 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 and then it has a like again mick just throwing on a little just a little fucking sauce on the top to make it a little bit fucking i I, you know i think that's probably that that fucking um that sabbathy part of them Mm -hmm. they have for every fucking time they play like a happy-ish riff like they have a lot of fucking like sinister sounding riffs that should probably be heavier than they actually are yeah for sure you know, to yeah, be honest yeah, yeah. with you i mean they have they have songs to me that's like man if you just threw up some fucking gain on that shit maybe threw in a fucking blast beat or something mm-hmm. you know like or you know don't even throw a blast beat in just keep the drums as they are put a little more gain on those fucking guitars man and put some screaming on it like you'd have it would just be a heavier fucking song mm-hmm. because it's already heavy it's just different yeah you know but i like the fucking you know the palm muted 
like during the fucking riff dude like the fucking it's it's got this fucking strut to it you know it's another strut like it's like a strut riff um in the verse you know and it's just like i don't know and he's he's talking about like some get a bullet in the head instead like i mean other <laughs> i don't know dude other clan bands don't really do that a whole hell yeah, of a that, lot you know that's what, I mean? what i'm saying <laughs> yeah they, that, that, that's that's part of that you know unique character to them that come to think of it man the more we're talking about this are the other bands of the glam era just a watered down motley crew to a degree i mean for the most part they are that's a perspective i didn't have till i mean these these guys are fucking easily you know because if you're gonna say guns and roses killed it you know these guys are easily the fucking hardest yeah yeah you know i mean but but yeah dude like um it's got this harmony thing Mm -hmm. in the bridge like it's it's not like a fucking harmony arpeggio or anything but it's a harmonized fucking thing while he's a harmonized melody um um i guess yeah so that is the bridge part because because he's like you know something like a loud something like a loud like a loud like a loud louder than hell like it's just got cool fucking riffs like i this is definitely one i think if you had fucking somebody like jamie joster or kirk fucking like if you're gonna go singing or if you had somebody fucking like vince sorry vincent vincent yeah yeah, yeah you know good save, from, good save. <laughs> from acacia strain yeah you know screaming on this shit like dude if the if the acacia strain or, or like black dahlia murder did like redid this song mm-hmm. like this song would be heavy as fuck dude yeah which i could like, see any number of those guys doing that oh yeah dude, it's, it's just a cool fucking song dude i fucking love it i've always loved this fucking song it's it's weird because it sits right after smoking in the boys room, which always got rewound at least three fucking times by whoever fucking friend of mine would put it on mm-hmm. fucking assholes, man. Like I just was, you know, I mean, I'm sitting through smoking in the boys room and I love that song. It's great, but I'm sitting through that song so I can get to louder than hell. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and this isn't the first one I have. That's like, I like the song after the song. Mm, okay like you like that should we that's a list we should do you know the jam after the jam yeah for sure you know what's your favorite jam after the jam you know like yeah yeah true like a one-two hit kind of thing well it's you've always had this fucking one big fucking song and then there's always a song after it right i mean unless it's the last song there's got to be a song after it so is that song fucking awesome or is it you know, a filler, you know, to take you to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for jam. sure. You know what I mean? Like I got you transitional. And, and, and there's a lot of those songs that are like right after the jam that get overlooked because people will sit and listen to the jam. They'll listen to the jam. They'll listen to the jam. And if they continue to listen, well, I mean, obviously nowadays it's a little bit different because there's probably not a lot of album listeners, you know, as far as like younger generation, but, but I mean, the, if the jam is fucking huge, you might not even notice or pay much attention to the next song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah, um, or it might even take a while to like really understand, you know, 
how good it is because you're, well, yeah, you know, because the, the other one's so yeah, the other one's so good or whatever too. I mean, that's yeah. you know, there's a factor like that. I mean, you got something like snap your fingers, snap your neck. I mean, it's gonna be hard to fucking put something after that and have it True. get any kind of love at all. But yeah, um, another one we should do is the jam before the jam. Um, mm. Those are two lists we could do another time. Another fucking yeah. cool thing about this song it's only two and a half minutes ah those are always fun yeah it's it's it doesn't fuck around but here's the other thing they don't have a lot of long songs i mean they are very radio formatted dude yes a long song for them is like four minutes four and a half minutes Mm -hmm. Hmm, yeah um probably i mean i'm looking at dr feel good see if i mean a long song for them including Dr. Feelgood is like five minutes max. Yeah, I can see like, that. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy, dude. Like they're hyper radio formatted. Right. Um, I mean, you know, like, like a lot of bands from the genre, I mean, it's, it's definitely a radio genre. What is your number two? Cause my mine number, is too young to fall in love. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my number two because I'm assuming that means you weren't going to, you said you weren't touching that was uh kickstart my heart because somebody had to. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a fun ass song, right? And again, I, I find myself well, saying well, that a lot. Lest we forget the YouTube uh, the interpretation of what it sounds like when he sings it now. Because have oh you my seen God, that? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous i love those dude that, that's that's hilarious but like you know it, it sums it up with the song pretty well it's like at a bunch of sporting events because it's a total perfect sporting event song you got um, yeah isn't it like drag racing in the video it's just like no 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 okay so they do show a lot of nascar stuff because vince neal was getting into nascar yeah. uh getting getting into like driving stock cars like on racetracks right um i don't know if he's actually racing but he was actually like out there you know, you, you rent a certain amount of time or whatever, and you can go drive the yeah. cars. Yeah. Um, he was doing that. The song actually kickstart my heart is about, well, Nikki six wrote it after he fucking, uh, he OD'd uh, and the EMT story goes, the EMT was a Motley Crue fan and knew who he was and gave him two adrenaline shots. Two. Damn. We all saw Pulp Fiction. Yeah. The motherfucker gave him two to revive him. Oh, man. Okay, so I was going to make a joke, but if it's the real story, then that kind of nullifies all of that. Man, Shit, that was dude. trippy. Yeah. And then, of course, there's that line. Little Black Medical Book. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was that was the story. Was He was a – I mean, I don't know what, what would happen if he wasn't a Motley Crue fan. I don't know. But – Generally, the thing is, you give him an adrenaline shot, right? So, I mean, he's just yeah. doing his fucking job at that point. But then, yeah, I, I guess he gave him two. Yeah, he's like, oh, this guy needs <laughs> this guy yeah, needs this extra yeah, food. This, yeah. I know what's up. A little bit more than a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> oh lord, dude, that's terrifying. But, but yeah, dude, like this one. You know, I always liked in the verse that never really occurred to me until we were trying to play it with our fucking drummer. And so, one of my drummers is a huge Tommy Lee fan. Like Motley Crue was his fucking band. And, Hmm. I always hated it. I was like, God damn it. But, Interesting. Um, you know, he was trying to play the beat and there's something we didn't realize at the time was the tick, tick, on the snare. He's not. Oh yeah. 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 You, know how like, you do the two handed fucking, um, what do you call it? Like that two handed tick, 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 tick. 
and you're going from the hi hat and an attack on the snare. Yes, yeah. He's actually doing it on the snare drum. Yeah, yeah. Like, I always, didn't realize that. So our drummer, our drummer's like trying to fucking play it. Uh-huh. You know, and we're just like, what the fuck are you doing? And I mean, right. I don't know how well he was playing it. I mean, he might not have been playing it very good. Maybe we didn't realize what he was doing. I don't know. I, yeah. It was a long time ago. But I do remember us like, just play it fucking normal. And he's like, but this is how he plays it. Right. And we, we were just confused by it as all. Well. Like, yeah, no, that makes sense. It's I always equated <laughs> that to the sound of uh, like a train steadily mo- moving. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, you know, it sounds like train going down the tracks. Like, Oh, because uh, Defeater also does that on the final song on their second album because it's about a guy that's about to get killed by a train so like oh right on yeah 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 i've done that since i was a kid yeah like um but yeah that is what it sounds like um yeah this this was another one i mean this song was fucking huge Mm -hmm. huge i mean and again yeah sporting events all the time yeah it's just Man, like they really fucking, I wouldn't say lucked out. Yeah. You can't they see really, it right now, but I, I'm making a long face because I just realized <laughs> something that I got to, I got to pull up real quick. Okay. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. They did really good with this one, man. Cause I mean, they'll be getting like that royalty money off it forever. Oh yeah. Thank goodness um, for sporting events. All right. Mr. Long face. What's up? Uh, so are we at the point where it's your, uh, your number one there? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Long face is valid or vil, or is valid because I just found what I was looking for. Okay. So we're gonna get to that later. But number one, good sir. Number one. This might seem weird because well, it is the jam after the jam. Mm-hmm. Um, it's knock 'em dead, kid. Mm. It's always been my favorite song. And for anybody that wants to know a weird fact, I used to listen to the song before I'd get in a fight. Um, I don't know why. Good times. <laughs> I just, I love the fucking main riff, dude. The fucking, like, it's such a fucking cool riff, especially back then. Probably not so much now, but. Right, yeah. I mean, I did listen to all this stuff, like, yesterday and last night. And it was. I mean, I listen, usually I listen to Motley Crue a lot. I mean, lately I haven't, I mean, I haven't listened to Motley Crue for probably like five years or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a lot anyway. I mean, I've, I have played video games where they're on there, whatever. Yeah. Not but actively listening. This shit just like took me fucking back to several places because it also took me back to like even being in San Diego the first time playing with Difficult Henry, I would listen to Motley Crue like on my way to a show or something. Righteous. Well, you never want to listen to something heavier than you, right? I mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I just never wanted to do that. Not if you're trying to be a heavy band, like. Yeah. Um. So and and again, I I fucking love the stuff, but this song was, you know, when I was a kid, we kind of latched on to. Well, I did. I don't know about anybody else. I kind of tended to latch onto the songs that weren't the singles, and the songs that I felt were the heavier fucking songs. And right. definitely the riffier songs, you know, and this one had kind of like that same, the thing I've liked about riffs all the way around, just that power chord, fucking Judas Priest type, fucking China, 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 
like turns out Nikki Six got in a fight with a bunch of fucking Hell's Angels. Oh, why? Okay. <laughs> and was like beat up pretty bad. Um, and then it turns out they were actually caught undercover cops. Even better. Um, and then he wrote the song. So I don't really know if I've paid much attention to all the words. Like I said, this one was definitely, I mean, obviously you could, you could tell what he's saying. I've just never really paid much attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the chorus, knock him dead, kid. You know, and then there's the fucking, uh, you know, the gang vocal, knock him dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, he says something like it's a TKO. And then there's, it's, it's a, um, the blade is red. You know, the blade is red, kid. Um, so, I mean, there's stuff like that, but. I, it was never really about that for me. Yeah, it's like, well, it's a TKO, but, uh, but, m- more so, it was just like that that fucking riff, easy easy peasy drums, mm-hmm. you know, like, but just that fucking main riff, and they play it like a lot, which is another thing I love about the song. <laughs> I mean, there's a weird part where it goes to this fucking down, 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 down. Then it goes to the fucking like a little solo where it's like fucking boy, you know, the part that was like down, 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 that kind of reminds me of something like, I mean, obviously less elaborate, but it does remind me of something like Iron Maiden would put in the middle of a song. Yeah, I can see that. You know, it, it's it's kind of different. Um, but it works. It works for the song. It's been my favorite Motley Crue song since probably fucking 1984. Fucking A. That's a good <laughs> consistency. All right. So now we're on to your number one. All righty. Number one. We already talked about it. It's Livewire. Ah, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Like, Like, I feel like the more I'm thinking about it, they were really, 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 really doing their own thing in 1981 that they weren't even doing in 1985 anymore. And even to a lesser degree in uh, 90, or did I say 90, excuse me, 85, 81 to 85. And then even less than 83 when they were doing uh, Shout Out the Devil. So like they've definitely had an interesting evolution, but like it's arguable that they could even be just seen as a regular 80s heavy metal band in on this record right in a way that wouldn't be you know not the same in everything that there was to follow matt fox from shy hulud always talks about motley crew was his favorite band until theater of pain uh and then right after that master of puppets came out and he says it's always been metallica ever since but like that was like he was he's like you he was always searching for the heaviest thing at the time and then when motley crew wasn't it anymore you know like move on to other things but for a hot minute they were a hot proposition as far as all that goes and they had a distinct oh so that was the other thing man i was thinking about it. you you brought up wasp wasp always seemed to me as like if motley crew stayed in that shout or uh too fast for love lane you know what i mean right like they were a continuation and i'm just looking up wasp actually formed after that album came out so it makes a lot more sense to me now um so it's almost like a, a an alternate you know, alternative timeline version of Motley Crue Wasp is to me. Um, but there's also something to me that's charming about like the shitty production on there. 
like where it's still not like tinny enough to where it's like annoying. It's like it actually still kind of works. And it's further testament to this song and this album in general. I remember when uh, whoever was playing it at uh, the 80s show that Esty put on last year, I caught myself singing along and I didn't realize I was doing till or about halfway through. So it's just like one of those that gets in drain. <laughs> it's fucking catchy, dude. Um, it just works. So maybe I need to spend more time with that album, man. Maybe, maybe I'm actually a fan and I don't realize it. It's but. a really, really good album. Yeah, absolutely. Just you have to get over the cowbell. Yeah, yeah. Which I and mean, there's some weird shit. Thing. If you listen to it in headphones, man, there's some really weird shit. Like there's a lot of fuck ups on the album. Oh, I can imagine. I I'm all but about. To my that. knowledge, I think uh, I think it was Doctor Feelgood was the first time they all recorded separately. Really? Wait, which album was that? There was. Uh, um, it was either that one or. It could have been uh, Girls, Girls, Girls. Mm. Um, there was one. It, it was one of those two. And one of the reasons why was because they had had kind of like so many issues essentially with each other. Interesting. Um, because, you know, fucking alcohol and drug abuse. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean it it really fucking took a fucking toll on him as far as like So you mean you they had think to think if you're if you guys are just all fucked up, I mean I mean you probably don't you obviously you don't know, but when you're all fucked up and like the, your your other person's all fucked up and you're on a business venture? Yeah, yeah. And top of not just a not just a business venture you're creating something yes yeah you know like it 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 makes it really fucking difficult Mm -hmm. yeah so it was dr feelgood Mm. they recorded in vancouver with the band members recording their parts separately for the first time to reduce infighting and to focus on individual performance so like they weren't even in like in the same studio at the same time that's that's a whole different thing dude that's that's yeah. how many stories have you heard like that because I, I mean obviously they're recording shit separately but even back then you could sit in different rooms and you yeah. could actually get multiple tracks isolated at the same exact time and essentially really what you end up with is a really decent sounding live album mm-hmm. you know with with the vocals not you know but the vocals being the only thing that's, you know, whatever, but, um, but yeah, there's, you know, and that happens a lot. I mean, especially when you're a big band and you tour a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and because a lot of these bands, you know, back then, I mean, they toured for like a year and a half straight. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, the eighties touring power machine, dude, you know? Yeah, dude. Like that's what they had to do to make their money. And, and then you throw on lifestyle on top of that. Like fucking forget about it, dude. Like you're already on each other's fucking nerves, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're fucked up and then you're trying to fucking, everybody's trying to get their parts, you know, a little piece of them into this creation. And you know, all it takes is for one guy to fucking say like, I don't like that idea. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, fuck you, you know? So yeah, it gets kind of weird. Also, I want to bring up this thing. This guy, Matthew Tripp. Have you heard of this guy? Not I read it. Much. I read it yesterday, and I, I totally forgot about it till just now. But 
1988, controversy again hit the band in the form of a lawsuit by Matthew Tripp. Tripp claimed that Six was hospitalized in 83 after a car crash involving drugs and that he had been hired as Six's doppelganger. The suit Mm. suit was regarding the loss of royalties from his time in Motley Crue, and the case was not closed until 1993 when Tripp dropped his charges and disappeared from public view. Yeah, I've uh, <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's interesting. Dude, same here, man. Like fucking hired a doppelganger, man. I mean, I remember when Kiss got a new, you know, Kiss parted ways with Peter Chris and didn't say anything for a while, and they actually had, or was it Ace Freely? It was one of the two, and they actually I've had never heard that either. Another guy fucking playing, but it was it was you know the same makeup, but it wasn't him. Huh? I, yeah. I think it was Peter Chris. We'll get to it in a Kiss episode, but yeah, I keep that so. in mind. You'll have to look that up because I mean, seriously, it's. <laughs> there's the crazy. old fucking you know idea that elvis was replaced after a certain while <laughs> right. right like there's some shit like that right Have you ever seen the movie bubba hotep no i've never seen it i've wanted to for a long awesome time, but... so that's the idea is that uh bruce campbell plays elvis like the real elvis right right and he's in like a rest home or something yeah he's in a retirement home and he <laughs> keeps telling everybody he's the real elvis but they all think he's just like a crazy old person but that's the idea yeah is that uh, he didn't want to like be in the limelight anymore. So he hired some other guy to play or to see hired an Elvis impersonator to take over his life. So that's the guy that died on the toilet. And like, he was living out. So he, so the real Elvis played by Bruce Campbell uh, just gets to be an Elvis impersonator and keep performing, but keeping it low key. But then eventually his hip goes bad while he's performing on stage and he's like confined to a walker. And that's what happens to him. Great fucking movie. I wish the sequel would come out, but apparently there's that's amazing. issues. But everybody go watch Bubba Hotep. It's fucking great. <laughs> Woo. So that's uh, that's Motley Crue, folks. Hell Hope yeah. You enjoyed. We'll, we'll have to dip our toes into this world a little more. I got I to gotta do some homework on some of these other bands. But fucking thanks for joining us as always. You know, it's like I want to do some of these because you're not you didn't grow up with this stuff correct yeah you know what i mean and, like, mm-hmm. and it it is different and it does get a lot of fucking hate man mm-hmm. um just to do it quickly i'm gonna fucking say this their number one song has 204 million okay 204.7 million fucking plays their yeah, number yeah. 10 song has 22.3 million fucking plays okay so do you have all 10? Because I only have five right now. I okay. have all 10. So all right, you number 10 is Take Me to the Top. All right. Which one? From even? first album, which is weird. Cause I, huh. that's, I can think of fucking three other songs from that album. But yeah. Then number nine is Same Old Situation. Number eight is Looks That Kill. Number seven is Livewire. Number six is Wild Side. Number five is Shout of the Devil. Mm-hmm. Number four is Dr. Feelgood. Number three is Home Sweet Home. And now we hit 100 million with Girls, Girls, Girls and 200 million, which is crazy to me. That's 100 million plays more. Yeah. yeah. And, ki- and it's Kickstart My Heart. Yeah. That seems insane to me. Yes. And especially to me that Girls, Girls, Girls is number two. But, that too. Uh, I thought for sure Home Sweet Home would be number two. Yeah. Or even Dr. Feel Good or something like that. But remember? right interesting so that's that's where the long face thing was coming in i was like oh shit i forgot the numbers because i was having problems with that <laughs> spotify app I, I i always have problems with it and then i forgot it crashed on me and i forgot to look it back up so good good save thank you sir yeah mine's got a little 
toggle thing it says you know show five more yeah show yeah. only five so yeah but that that list to me is pretty surprising i mean they've got you know obviously good numbers they're probably in a lot of you know a lot of 80s playlists a lot of classic rock i'm sure mm-hmm. because even classic rock stations are playing the you know the old hair metal stuff now yep. but yep but um yeah kickstart my head like how is that i mean that's got to be nascar thing right yeah, and sporting I mean, events it, in general, like it's it's they, well, they play it true. at baseball games and shit. I'm, uh, commercials, dude, they use it in commercials all the well, time. Well, that's true, and, and I mean, again, like yeah, if you're in a fucking, if you were in like a fucking some kind of like NASCAR fucking playlist, mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. like from NASCAR, like I mean, not saying it is, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna see if they I would do something different here. I'm gonna see if they're fucking actually because I think you could search like. If what playlist they're in can you yeah playlist yeah there's one just called kickstart my heart that has 1032 followers there you go just pretty start. big for a playlist honestly yeah. i mean who the fuck made this thing oh so here's the thing it only shows you playlists that are named that yeah i i yeah that's I, interesting i didn't know that i thought it would show the song in each playlist or whatever right so, but here's the thing so the guy that made it has six people following him hmm. so this has to be i mean one it, it looks like a pretty great play, playlist i mean he's got a lot of different shit in here mm-hmm. even the beastie boys are in this thing weird anyway um yeah there's oh. a lot of people following that playlist so Apparently, I have 31 people following me. I didn't know that shit. <laughs> That's weird. Apparently, I have hey, 178 right. playlists, too. Interesting. Got <laughs> me beat, man. I got 26. Fucking A. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to get into more of this stuff. Obviously, it's pretty close to me. but Right. You know, but also, like, again, like, when you think of something like the metal list, this stuff probably isn't going to come to a lot of people's mind because a lot of people don't consider it metal. And I'm like, I think, you know, yeah, that's why we all, it's also why we said all distorted guitars. Yeah, exactly. It's just a different kind of metal. There's tons of different kinds of metal. So that's the the next thing I'm thinking is now we got to get into some new metal shit. Yeah, we do. And and we have a long line of people that want to talk about certain bands. So we're going to have to figure all that out. Uh, until then, folks, let us know what your favorite Motley Crue stuff is, or if you're a fan at all. Well, I guess let us know if you're a fan in general. Uh, and as always, rate, review, like, subscribe, hit us up on the socials. I'm at Yes It Is I David everywhere. Jason's at JZen Fitness on Instagram, but you can find him usually on Metalist Pod on Twitter and Metalist Podcast everywhere else. Hit us up. We always like talking to you, folks. It's been fun talking to you as much as you've been talking to us. Uh, until then. Eat your veggies. Fuck your prayers. And kickstart my heart. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>